Good morning, everyone. Bigger, bigger, better, better, bolder, bolder. The cold hard truth is taking talk to the next level. Right here on Bobo 89.1 FM, Cayman's Community Radio. We are still spilling the tea and committed to being part of the change that Cayman so desperately needs. Join Sandy Hill weekdays from 7.30 a.m. for Premier Access, Cayman Voices, Truthful Thursdays, and much more. Cayman's number one talk show is now bigger, bigger, better, better, bolder, bolder, and more than talk. Getting results with hot topics, consumer reports, court exposés, and more. I've come to set the record straight. I've come to shine the light on you Let me introduce myself I am the cold heart Now, from the CMR studio in Grand Cayman Live direct it's the cold hard truth now now join the conversation on 345-936-2626 that number again is 345-936-2626 good morning k-man rise and shine Let's get it. Let's get it. Hello, beautiful people. How are you guys doing? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday in the beautiful Cayman Islands. How are you guys? So good to see you. Rise and shine, honey chill. You know, I got to tell you, that honey chow has really taken off with you guys in such a big way. I laugh every time somebody is um, passing me in town. They they allow me to cross the street safely. And they'd be like, hey, honey chow. And I'd be like, yes, honey chow. What's up? Um, I'm always in awe, really, of the people who take the time to stop and say hello. So thank you so much. I had several people do this yesterday. And just really thank me um, for, you know, um, and show their appreciation for this program. So it's just amazing that we can all contribute and uh, make this island, our country, our island, our home, our vacation spot, for those of you who are vacationing here, your second homes, that we can try to make this the most uh, beautiful place in the world, because that really is the ultimate goal. And quite frankly, um, you know, it is one of those things where um, it's so easy. Paradise loss, <laughs> paradise is slipping. And so if we don't rein it in, it is uh, very, very easy to allow it to get out of hand. And that's definitely not what we want. Um, so we will continue to fight the good fight, to encourage people to do the right thing. And for those of you who refuse to do the right thing, mm, sorry for you. 
but you will be exposed in the most spectacular way possible. Yes. In fact, um, I, I get cases every day, <clears throat> but I got an interesting one yesterday with a guy who I, I'm not quite sure that he understands. He seems a little bit on the slow side, to be honest. Um, but anyway, he took somebody's money, $6,500 to do a job at $6,200. My apologies. Uh, that was a deposit and, um, he hasn't done it. And so he seems to think that, you know, the minimal, he was supposed to order materials with that. The minimal of what he did after being chased time and time again, he seems to think that that's sufficient enough. J G R K construction. And so we're going to be featuring him. And what I'm going to start doing is we're waiting on, on our rundown Tuesday medical rundown folks to come on the program, but let me just talk about this for a little minute here. What I'm going to start doing is, um, you know, I really wish that we could, um, that we could have, uh, that we could have, um, a better business bureau on this island for businesses. And it's something that many, many, many years ago I looked into, but it's just, <clears throat> well, we can't use the, the better business bureau title because um, that is copyrighted. And really it's met um, for people in the um, Canada. And I think the US is kind of where that's limited to. So that's a registered trademark. When you try to go to their website, it says 403 Forbidden. Are they still around? Are they still operating? Let me use another browser and see. But anyway, you know, that would be such a great idea. Does Better Business Bureau still work? Can somebody try it for me? Maybe it's <clears throat> if you're outside the U.S., they don't even allow you on their website anymore. I'm not sure. Hmm. It used to work from here, but I haven't looked at it in a while. But anyway, um, you know, this is really, they're a nonprofit organization, but it's really about advancing good business practices, right? And so we don't have that protection. We have no, no layer of protection in this country whatsoever for consumers. It really is disheartening to be quite frank and honest. So we don't have a better business bureau, but what I was thinking, I guess CMR might be the closest that we can get to that. Um, so what we might do for a segment of the website is to actually put up a um, section where we feature, because we already have a consumer tab on the website, but we can kind of feature people and these concerns and stuff so that you, you do have a central location that you can go to, um, you know, where you can rate businesses or um, send in information. The problem is for our perspective, for it to go on the website, we have to be in a position <clears throat> to always cross our T's and dot our I's. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> I always have to think about when I say that saying. <clears throat> so we always ask for evidence. You got to come with your receipts, your proof of, of funds being paid. And of course, conversations, keep everything in writing, you know, get contracts where possible. But also, um, you know, a lot of you are now communicating with contractors because they all have WhatsApp you're communicating on those messages. It's really, really important that you keep those messages. Believe me, you, because if there's any dispute, then, um, you know, you're going to have to prove that what you said happened, happened. And so it's interesting with this guy yesterday, when I contacted him, his first response are, oh, these people are lying and you better be careful. 
I'm going to go talk to my lawyer. I'm going to talk to the police. And I'm like, okay. And that's going to help you how? Because I'm looking at all the messages, sir. You think that I don't know what has transpired. And I'm not taking their word for it. Because when they told me what happened, I said, I need you to prove to me what actually happened. And so, you know, they brought out all of the receipts in order to prove it. So, you know, I don't, when, when you say to me, um, that's not what happened, then you can prove that's not what happened. I'm a little bit suspect because your word doesn't mean anything around here. So um, somebody just said that they like that idea, like a CMR watchdog kind of thing. It's unfortunate that we even have to do it because really and truly this should be the government's job. It shouldn't be CMR's job to play um, a mediator go between or anything of the sort, that should be really, and quite frankly, the job of um, the government to put those safeguards in place for members of the community, consumer protection. Any any modern society in the world has some degree of um, consumer protection built in to their systems. And here we are essentially telling you that not only does it really not exist here at all, there's no rental protection, there's you know nothing. Um, that you know, we the it's kind of fallen on our shoulders, and obviously we get results because you know a lot of people understand that getting featured on CMR is probably not something that they want to do. Although some of them still haven't gotten the memo, so they're still out there scamming people and trying the most. And you know, I'm proud to say that because of CMR, a number of scammers have been arrested and have been taken through the court system. And more of that has to happen. And I always encourage right now, a young lady was messaging me <clears throat> about her employer. She works for a beauty salon, not paying pensions for her and other workers. And I said to her, have you reported it to the DLP? So in instances where there is a reporting mechanism, DLP is Department of Labor and Pensions. Go through that process. You have to do that. I know you think it's easier to come to me because I'm going to just get you your money. But the problem with that sort of thinking and that type of methodology is unfortunately, you don't stop them from continuing to do what they do because they're going to continue to do it and they're going to take their chances that, um, you know, the next victim, the next employee isn't going to contact me. And sometimes people go for years without the benefit of a pension or insurance, or all these other things. And, um, you know, by the time it's reported to DLP, it's years worth of arrears. And the longer you allow it to continue, the longer and the bigger of a problem it becomes. So I really want to encourage you that where the mechanisms exist, and I know that the police, you know, will give you a runaround, they'll tell you it's not their job and they frustrate the heck out of you. But where the mechanisms do exist, um, I encourage you to follow those procedures, Right. Go to DLP, file a report, because then DLP has the power to go into any company, request records from them. And if they refuse to provide records, that is an offense and it's a criminal offense. So that's the way to do it. And that's the way um, to try to get your money back in the correct way. Now, of course, I'm aware. I'm aware of how slow the system is. I'm aware of how long DLP takes. I'm aware of if it goes to court, that it's going to be a long, drawn out thing. But sometimes you just have to stay the course, right? All right, we're going to go ahead and bring our guests into the program this morning. So, of course, today is Tuesday. So on Tuesdays, we do Medical Rundown Tuesdays. And um, we we're pleased to have uh, several people in the studio with us this morning. This is um, women's, um, what's her official title? 
It is, uh, we've got International Women's Day tomorrow, but this is um, International Women's Month, the entire month. Uh, so lots of stuff will be going on this month, honoring Women's Month, I think is officially what it's called. So we're going to be doing a lot of things um, throughout the month of March in relation to this. Don't forget tomorrow we're having um, a, I don't know politically it's the right word to call her, but I know that when I say it, you'll understand what I mean. We're going to be having a rape victim. She's a survivor. She is somewhat triumphed over this situation. Um, at least her assailant is behind bars and locked up and in a jail here in the Cayman Islands. Uh, DJ Renato um, Harris, his um, victim is going to be joining the show tomorrow on International Women's Day. And she's going to talk to us about maybe a little bit about her ordeal and, um, you know, what she's doing now with her life. And she's put her face out there. She's sent her picture. If you go to the Facebook page, you'll see uh, Facebook and YouTube. We've scheduled the show. That's her picture. That's what she looks like. Because I know a lot of you had all sorts of ideas about who she was. Oh, well, she's a white woman. So apparently white women deserve to be raped. No, she's not a white woman. She's a woman of color. But none of that matters. Um, she has stood up to him in a very spectacular way and done the right thing. And um, his sentence reflected, you know, the seriousness of what he did to her. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. It's going to be um, a very, very serious discussion, obviously. And I will set some ground rules in terms of the comment section. And even those of you who want to call into the program, because she is still, um, you have to understand this has been or an ordeal for years, but victims don't ever get over what has happened to them. So she still is um, very fragile. And so, um, you know, every time it comes up in the news, like, you know, when he was sentenced, when he was um, found guilty, like all of those are victories for her, but it also comes with her having to relive a lot of um, the, the trauma. So she'll be joining us in tomorrow's program. So make sure you set your calendars for that. So today, um, Medical Rundown Tuesdays, we've got uh, Health City representatives in the house. We've got Dr. Pooja, who's a consultant gynecologist, who is one of my favorite folks over there at um, Health City Cayman Islands. Good morning, Dr. Pooja. Good morning, Sandy. It's great to be back on your show again. Yes, thank you so much for coming. I must say that you are one of our more, um, I don't know how to politically say this, politically correct. Um, uh, people love you. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> so the last <laughs> program, everybody was like, oh, who's that woman? Have her come back. And they've been asking me to talk about all sorts of women-related issues. So we're, I'm glad actually today that we're going to be talking about menopause. Now, the irony of this is a couple of weeks ago, I had someone, I was at the government building, and they said, Sandy, you know, you're not afraid of any topic. And so I really want you to um, talk about menopause. And I was like, hmm, I hadn't yet brought it to your team as a discussion, but then I saw it on the um, discussion list for today. And I thought, well, this is fantastic, perfect timing. And so I'm just going to um, make sure that that person is able to listen. I'm going to send her the little link this morning that she's able to listen to the program because this is something that people do want to talk about that they struggle with. And yet for some reason, it's still taboo in this day and age. I'm like, why, why is it taboo? Every single woman has to go through this. Enough, right. And Absolutely. Of uh, Miss Jennifer, who is joining us this morning as well. Good morning, Jennifer. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yes. This is, I think your second or third time with us. 
I think I think it's the second officially. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so both of you have been um, here before. So um, thank you again so much for coming back. And um, Jennifer, remind us of your position at, at Health City, Jennifer. Uh, I am the operations manager in the oncology department. And today right. I'm here, um, yes, as I'm a Health City employee, but today I'm here as a woman in menopause. <laughs> okay. Ooh la la. Gotcha. All right. Sounds beautiful. So um, let's talk about um, Dr. Puja, if we can start out just about women's health in general. Like I said, it's, these are such important topics, but still a lot of women are afraid to ask questions. They don't know, you know, we grew up in an era where people didn't talk about sex. Um, they didn't tell you what to expect when having a baby. Um, there was just so much that like, you know, you just kind of had these blinders on and you just went through it. And when it happened, it was like, oh, okay, is this normal? Um, can I get help? Do I talk to anybody? So let's talk about some of the major sort of um, health issues that are actually affecting women in 2023. You're absolutely right, Sandy, when it comes to uh, women's health, almost everything is a taboo topic. Sex is a taboo, menopause is a taboo, uh, contraception is a taboo, abortion is a taboo. Almost everything that we have to deal with is mm -hmm. a taboo. So I feel very closely for the things that you're talking about. There's not a single patient who will come into my room, say for the silliest reason, maybe she has some white discharge or something like that, mm -hmm. who will not get asked a particular set of questions, which also includes, you know, how's your sex life? Is there anything that is not right? Mm -hmm. And there are so many women who turn around and say, doc, you know, nobody has asked us that question. We're actually having this, 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 this issue. We may mm -hmm. be able to solve some, we may not be able to solve some, but somehow yeah. just talking to them about it, you know, just makes them feel so much better that yes, this is something that we can talk about, can open up about, and it's not something that it is a hush hush topic and I need to keep quiet about it. Yes, absolutely. So I do want to remind everyone that, of course, you can call into the program at any time today. We're going to be focusing on menopause, but there's a whole slew of health issues here affecting women from heart disease, bladder issues, sexual health issues, including STIs, um, cancers of the breast and cervix, uh, maternal related issues, diabetes, obesity, stroke, and menopause, all stages of menopause. These are some of the major issues that are affecting women. And like I said, today, our focus is really going to be on menopause. But, you know, several of these are actually preventable, um, Dr. Pooja, by doing the right things, including frequent checkups, um, such as breast examinations, maintaining a proper diet and getting exercise and just generally taking good care of yourself. So I think the most important thing for people to understand is they can have control over their health in their lives. And at Health City, they have professionals such as Dr. Pooja, uh, who's there to advise you and to help you through the process as well. So um, Jennifer, you said that you are a, um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to call, I don't know what to call someone who's going through menopause. I don't want to say that you're a victim of menopause because I don't want to villainize the process. Um, but you are um, a, you're in it, you're in it. I know, I'm a survival. Yeah. I think what we, I, the, the, I think the way people tend to phrase it is, I'm a woman of a certain age. Of a um, certain age, yes. And, so can I can I ask you, um, are you at the beginning of it? Do you feel like you're midway through? Um, when did it start for you? 
I I, I think I'm uh, I'm just about done. Oh, um, good. Okay. <laughs> for me, it's been it's been kind of a process. Um, I had some gynecological issues, and I have uh, an ovary removed, and okay. that started some um, some some menopause issues for me. And right. so, um, then I went on to have some other things. And essentially I just feel like I've been having flashes on and off for about 10 years. Anybody mm-hmm. who knows me, uh, knows me as hair up, hair down, hair up, ha- hair down. And that's yes. because um, uh, for about a decade, I have felt like um, someone has a hot, um, like blow dryer on the back of my neck uh, and okay. suddenly, turns on and the heat just crawls up the back of my neck and I'm so, so sweaty hot. And oh then my gosh. two minutes later, it's gone and I have the chills. And so uh, that's just kind of how it's been. But yeah, I, I think I've been through the whole process now and I'm coming out the other side. Okay, beautiful. Menopausal. That's uh, a few people said that's the correct term. <laughs> so um, thank you guys so much. But um, wow, I mean, this, it it sounds interesting. And I I know that I'm getting, I'm edging ever closer to that age. Dr. Pooja, what's the average age of onset for menopause? What are we talking about here? So when we're talking about menopause, menopause, menopause is defined as when you're not seeing your periods for 12 calendar months. So say for instance, you saw your last period in February of 2022. And you did not see a period up until February of 2023, you would say you are in menopause. Versus if you saw your period in December 2022, your calendar mm-hmm. would start again. But the whole mm-hmm. gamut of symptoms and all of that that we described is known as perimenopause, which can be two to five years before two mm-hmm. to five to two to five years after menopause. So we would say that the person is perimenopausal. This is one of the terms that is most frequently um, you know, confused. Um in in the general population so i have women who will come in and say oh doc uh, i am in menopause since the age of 42 and then you start asking them all of the questions but it's the mm-hmm. symptoms that they're going through not the actual process i mean not the actual menopause so you would say that you're perimenopausal now coming back to your questions andy the average uh-huh. age for menopause is around 49 to 51 but in cayman uh, mm-hmm. Fortunately, unfortunately, I would just call it unfortunately, the age for menopause is much um, higher. So I've seen women who are 54, 55, 56 have absolutely spot on regular periods, some with symptoms, some without symptoms. Mm. So it just varies. It varies from different regions in the world. Mm-hmm. But textbook definition is 49 to 51. Okay, that's interesting. I wonder why there's a difference here in this in this region. Um, does it matter when it, you started your me- menstrual cycle? Yeah. It does matter, not mm-hmm. for, um, it doesn't time your menopause as per when you started your menstrual cycle. It mm-hmm. does matter for other conditions like um, it puts you at a high risk for uterine cancer, breast cancer. If you have been um, seeing your periods for a very long time. So say you started your periods or puberty, as we call it, menarche at uh, nine or 10 and you mm-hmm. ended your periods at 53, 54, it means that you have been in your reproductive uh, phase of career for a very long time, which means your system has been bombarded with hormones for much Mm -hmm. longer than it would need to be, which puts you at a slightly higher risk. So that's where Mm -hmm. the correlation and the significance of, you know, puberty and menopause lies. Right. So very, very interesting. 
Um, and that's something, I guess, for people to know if for some reason they started their cycle early. Uh, should they come in and see a professional? Is there anything that you can do to impact your so, and offset the risk? The age at which you ideally should be hitting puberty, when I was studying medicine, when I was doing my residency, it used to be around 11 to 13. That mm -hmm. age has now come down to 9 to 11 oh. years. So that's already saying a lot about uh, growth and all of that. So there are things which are beyond our control, uh, things which are in our control. It's the food that we eat. They're all hormone pumped. The mm -hmm. plants that are even the vegetarian food that we consume is all GMO. Uh, it's our life mm -hmm. lifestyle, the junk food, childhood obesity is increasing. All of these are the reasons for uh, early puberty. And then they put they're also risks for polycystic ovarian syndrome for the same reasons, the, the obesity, mm -hmm the period irregularities. So coming mm -hmm. in regularly uh, to see your doctor, uh, but before that, maintaining an absolutely healthy lifestyle where you exercise and you diet and you kind of make sure that everything is running as per clockwork is of the mm -hmm. utmost importance. Coming to me, I will only be able to give you symptomatic management. I will be able to kind of treat the situation. You are the one mm -hmm. who can prevent and avoid the situation from happening in the first place. Right. So Alejandro has a lot of questions. He seems very interested. He says, okay, let's do it. Taboo and sex. Um, okay, it can be done. I never knew. Um, so Alejandro seems a bit curious. He's, he's a younger man. Um, so at some point, Alejandro, if you're lucky enough, you'll have the, the luxury of dealing with a um, menopausal woman <laughs> if you're in a relationship at that point. But, you know, this is part of it as well because... Um, a lot of women will have partners and they have to understand how to be understanding and, and what it is that, uh, that women will be going through. So Alejandro, <laughs> sit back and listen and take some notes. Um, it will undoubtedly be valuable uh, information for you. So Jennifer, let's talk about, you talked about the hot flashes being one of the symptoms of uh, menopause. What are some of the other major symptoms for you that you've actually experienced? I see a lot of people here. Miss Corrine says, OMG, hot, hot, hot. God help us. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I had a friend who described it as always being a sweaty Betty, and I feel like, um, for me, a lot of other symptoms as well, memory lapses, <laughs> brain fog, I felt like my brain just wasn't working, weight gain, hot flashes, headaches, and um, I think, like, losing train of thought is hmm. the most embarrassing embarrassing part like anything that's like brain related mm -hmm. um in the beginning honestly i felt like what is wrong with me it's just me i'm actually do i have early onset alzheimer's like you really start questioning yourself am i mm -hmm. losing what is wrong with me and it's not until i started talking to others that i realized oh okay this is this is sort of a symptom of what i'm going through and i just kind of always felt like um, I didn't have enough bandwidth, right? Like I'd see somebody unexpectedly and it's somebody mm -hmm. I know. It's it's not like, oh, I met them at a party. It's somebody I really know and I can't recall their name. Mm. Or um and it's and it's just like it, things just didn't click. I just kind of felt mm -hmm. for a while. So that's that's what it was like for me. But I've talked to so many other friends, you know, preparing for this show, I asked a bunch of friends and mm -hmm. the of symptoms and and things that they had going on was as long as your arm. There were so many other things as well. 
Wow. So Irvlin can agree with the brain fog. She said the brain fog is the worst for me. Andrew says, very true. She can relate. Um, Lulu is asking if you took any um, supplements. So are you taking anything, Jennifer, to manage um, your menopausal, you know, issues? I, I am not taking uh, supplements. Um, I, uh, I had a couple of other issues that, uh, that happened for me. So I mentioned that I had um, some ovarian cysts. I had to have those removed. Mm -hmm. Then it seemed like um, I had some endometrial problems. And mm -hmm. so I had uh, surgery for that. And the doctor was just a little bit concerned that it might be cancer. And mm. so got through that surgery. And um, at the end, uh, my final checkup with the doctor, the doctor said, okay, great. It's not cancer. You're good. No, the ovary, the ovary wasn't a problem. No cancer. Now the endometrial thing, no cancer. You're good. Oh, by the way, don't forget to get your mammogram. So then mm -hmm. I, I'm in the clear. And uh, I had my mammogram. And as it turns out, uh, I was developing breast cancer. And wow. so- I went mm -hmm. on, um, so I went on medications for uh, for that, and I'll be on that medication for the next five years. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not taking any other uh, supplements. No. Wow. So um, that should answer Lulu's question. Um, Irvlin says she also had fatigue and migraines. Um, someone on the WhatsApp says, um, "Let me just pull up this message." They said, oops, I just lost the message. Right. So they said, morning, Sandy. Great topic. I've been having menopause for 10 years and it's horrible. Praying mine will soon finish. So what is the, um, I know Dr. Pooja, you said there's a sort of premenopausal stage. Um, and then, you know, you go into menopause. What's the average length of the whole thing? <laughs> How long can we expect to go through this phase of our lives? Like I said, it's two to five years before the actual menopause to two to five years after. Not everyone goes through the symptoms. There are some women who are lucky enough to just go through without any symptoms whatsoever. And then there are some who are absolutely unfortunate and get the whole nine yards um, of symptoms. Like Jen described. So you have your hot flashes, mood swings, night sweats, you're hot sometimes, you're super chilly sometimes. Um, there's brain fog you've lost uh, your thought process you just in general will feel very fatigued and old mm -hmm. if I may add so uh, you, you've lost your desire to have sex um, mm -hmm. sex is painful, it's dry you just don't feel for anything so these are just a few of the symptoms that menopause has um, it's it's um, sadly or strangely enough, you know, women will come in saying, Doc, I'm having a lot of hot flashes and night sweats and things mm -hmm. like that. And they will not even realize that they have these other symptoms which are going on in the background until we start medications mm -hmm. and, and they'll come in and say, I feel like a different person. I didn't know that these were issues related to menopause. But now that I'm on the medications, everything seems fine. Oh, wow. Okay. All right, caller. Um, I think we'd missed a call from you. Did you have a question for a comment? Yes. Yes. Good morning, Good Sandra, morning. Dorothy. I everything Hi, Jennifer is saying. I'm I'm sounding like Jennifer right now because I swear that I must be the poster child for menopause. <laughs> I've been going through now almost ten years. Oh my gosh! And for me, it's not getting any better. It's so horrible that sometimes I feel like I'm going crazy. The sweat, the brain fog, mm. fatigue. Uh, I mean, this morning I had to set an alarm to get out of bed for mm -hmm. 7.30 to listen to your show because usually I only catch it like 
eight thirty, nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. I don't want to move at times. I go to the doctor, I get all these things because sometimes I feel like I'm having a heart attack. Sometimes I feel like I'm gonna pass like I'm sitting somewhere, I feel I'm gonna pass out. I'm driving, I it 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 it's really terrible. I mm-hmm. haven't taken I don't have any gynecological issues because I keep I check regularly. Um and at one time a doctor suggested um getting the uh, hormonal treatment for me mm-hmm. but then another doctor I went to another doctor and she told me that when you reach 60 because I'm now 63 and I started the perimenopause for me started like in my 50s and then at 55 it was like my period stopped I was like late 55 my, my period stopped no more period so I guess that's full-blown menopause mm-hmm. but um, they said after I was told after 60 that they would not suggest any hormonal treatment or hormonal patches or whatever it was. So I didn't get anything. I just I don't take any supplements. I just take my regular um, vitamins and so forth. I don't take supplements. I bath like three times a day because I don't work anymore um, since 60. So I am bathing all day. Mm-hmm. I am wearing, I, I don't feel dressed because I have to wear these sleeveless things. I can't see, I, I mean, to wear a jacket or something. I feel like I would go crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I just have to start talking or anything and I start to sweat. Mm-hmm. I make a lot, I go to presentations, I go to meetings and I go to a lot of meetings and I'm sweating there, sweat, sitting there, either fanning, wiping my face. And people turn to you. It's so embarrassing. People turn to you and say, oh, are you okay? Mm. Uh, and, you know, and, and these are younger people or especially mm-hmm. younger men. And do I say to them, and, and then now at the point I'm saying, no, these are just hot flashes. But I am <laughs> yes. pour, profusely sweating. And wow. then as soon as I start to feel like the sweat, my, my heart rate goes up. Mm. It, it, it's real terror. I just, I always say sometimes I wish Cayman had a support group for women with menopause because sometimes I really feel like I'm going nuts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So wow. I'm going to sit back and listen. Yes. Back. Well, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much for this, for, for this, for today. And as I say, I'm, I'm not happy to hear what you're going through, Jennifer. This is Doris is from the Alzheimer's Association. Oh, but I... to know that someone else is also going through this and it's mm-hmm. not just me thinking that I'm going nuts. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Okay, really bye. appreciate it. Um, wow. Poor Dorothy. She sounds like she's having a warm time um, with this entire process. And, you know, I saw Soka in the comment section saying that, thank God she had zero symptoms. What percentage of the population, Dr. Pooja, um, she says that she see people fanning themselves all the time. What percentage of the f- population will be um, as fortunate as Soka? to say that they have no symptoms. But like you said, maybe she is having symptoms, but she's not recognizing those as symptoms either. So around five to 10% of the women have absolutely no symptoms. Like I said, they, mm-hmm. they might see absolutely spot on re- regular periods till they mm-hmm. finally decide to stop. Or you might just mm-hmm. have some menstrual abnormalities where you don't see your periods for months on end. And then they f- uh, stop one fine day. Then there are some women who have uh, very mild symptoms. Like you'd say, oh, I have some hot flashes occasionally, maybe once a week or something, but nothing Mm -hmm. that's too bothersome and nothing that's uh, troubling me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you have women who will say, oh, I get a hot flash at least uh, every three hours, four hours, and it's bothersome. I can't concentrate. I can't do things like that. So it's a whole Mm -hmm. range uh, of 
the spectrum is very big so you have mm-hmm. one end where you have zero symptoms you have the other end like i said the whole nine yards and then you have everything in between now it's a very fine line about what we treat what we don't treat what needs treatment what doesn't mm-hmm. need treatment so mm-hmm. about the caller like what ms dorothy was saying unfortunately it's more of a norm she's more of a norm than an exception the exceptions mm-hmm. would be people who wouldn't have any symptoms and i beg mm-hmm. to differ with the doctor who has told her that just because she's 60 plus she cannot take hormones that's wrong that mm-hmm. is not right it doesn't mean just because you're 60 and you're having the symptoms i cannot leave you and say oh sorry i can't do anything about it you just have to suffer in mm-hmm. silence that's absolutely not true there's this mm-hmm. whole uh, controversy behind uh, hormone replacement therapy which is the uh, treatment of choice for women who are in menopause and women who have symptoms uh, mm-hmm. there's so much of research and studies done about it i have patients who will come in who have all the textbook symptoms and will say doc no i will not take hormones why won't you take hormones because i've heard it causes cancer Mm. which is very true it does cause breast cancer it does cause ovarian cancer mm-hmm. uh, sorry not ovarian a uh, uterine cancer but mm-hmm. again do you know that the ibuprofen that you take can completely wreck your kidneys the paracetamol mm-hmm. that you take can completely shut down your liver we mm-hmm. still take them right mm-hmm. we have to always we have to always uh, we have a risk uh, benefit ratio when yeah. we're dealing with anything in medicine so if the benefit of giving you a drug is much more than the risk involved we definitely prescribe the drug uh, now coming back to the cancer point the breast and the uterine cancer the chances i mean the the incidence of cancer in women who are taking hormone replacement is slightly higher than the general population but it mm-hmm. comes with a very big caveat wherein there is no surveillance so say for instance a patient has come to me i've given her the medications she's absolutely feeling splendid she's taking the medications at the end of one year she's mm-hmm. done with her refills she says this gives me a call or sends me an email and says oh doc mm-hmm. i'm done with my uh, prescription can you send me some more refills and me i just send her another years worth of prescription and this goes on and on wherein she doesn't come to see me i don't ask her to come in to see me mm-hmm. that's when things get missed but if you are being monitored carefully wherein you're doing your blood work you're coming in for your breast examinations and ultrasound mm-hmm. a mammogram as you have been advised to do it you will never ever have breast cancer or uterine cancer or even if it is god forbid even if it is it's going to be caught super early with treatment to surgery like probably like something like a fibroid just take it out and you're done with it mm. you don't have to think about oh my gosh i have cancer and i have to deal with this for the rest of my life that's how it is so this is what i wanted to touch upon mainly where hormone replacement is such a big taboo mm-hmm. and then the other end other end of the spectrum with hormones is um there are some women you take it for hot flashes you take it for you know loss of libido suddenly mm-hmm. you realize your skin is looking gorgeous your hair is beautiful you're feeling like you were in your 20s and then mm-hmm. you never want to stop the medication you never ever want mm-hmm. to stop it hormone replacement is very finite because the symptoms of menopause are finite they are for 5 to 10 years so it's not something which you start in your 50s and you take till the day you die it's not right. like that you have to take it for a finite amount of time and we stop it we stop it we look at you, you we look at your symptoms if the symptoms go away you're done if they come back we restart the medications and then stop them again 6 months down the line depending on your age depending on where you are depending on your symptoms and then mm-hmm. we take it from there i know women who are 80 something and are still taking menopause because my doctors are giving me refills 
and i like how it makes me feel and no i am not going to stop that's just mm. that's another subset of women so we have to be very very careful it's a very double edged sword it can be splendid uh when we take it but it has to be monitored um very very vigilantly yes hmm very very interesting all right folks 936 2626 is a telephone number uh, lulu says um, everlyn says she takes vitamins which she says helps um lulu says there should be a menopause policy at workplaces because male bosses are clueless about what women go through and it can and can be quite unsympathetic So um very very interesting that um that's one of the issues that women are facing. Olive says, "Oh boy, that hot flash at night when it comes um at night when it's supposed to be cooler, I'm sweating in the <laughs> ceiling fan, uh two standing fans and the AC. Blessed Jesus. I mean, real sweating." <laughs> so, oh my goodness, Miss Olive. Um I'm I'm really I'm sitting here silently praying, Dr. Pooja, that I'm in that percentage that never has a symptom. <laughs> I'm like I can't deal with just thinking about hot flashes gives me hot flashes. <laughs> um Lulu says how does brain fog and forgetfulness during menopause um how is it different from just forgetfulness due to perhaps burnout or stress or even just the natural aging process? So how do you know when it's menopause uh related? I mean you really can't tell one from the other but I would I would go so far to say that the burnout and the stress and the fatigue may all be related to menopause. Mm. Wow, okay. Vicky says that she thinks that sage tea helps a lot. Good morning to Andrea. Andrea says how do you deal with sex? Um so let's talk about and we've got some slides and stuff here that I can pull up and stuff as well. Well, let's talk about the process of um of sex. I mean, you know, women are living longer, they're having um much more connected relationships. Sometimes they get rid of the first husband that was no good by the time menopause hits. They're on to husband number 2 or 3 or 4 or whatever and um living their best lives. And you know, they might want to be hanging from the chandelier still, Dr. Pooja. So, um how do we how do we make it happen? How do we keep that sex life popping in absolutely sex. sandy i am all for very healthy sexual lives till whatever age you think you are comfortable we're no more living in the era where you say oh my gosh i'm too old i don't think i should be having sex anymore age is just a number that shouldn't define your personality or your personal life for that matter mm-hmm. so sex per se uh, there is a lot of uh, different issues with menopause most common ones being dryness so because the estrogen so what happens in menopause we we didn't talk about this it's because our two female hormones the princesses in our system estrogen and progesterone con, uh, you know just dip down to like a zero level there's like a crash because of which you're seeing all of these symptoms now mm. these are all typically withdrawal symptoms of the estrogen and the progesterone in your system so once the estrogen is withdrawn there's um, imagine something which is supple and moist the vagina tends to become papery thin and dry so sex is definitely not pleasurable anymore for women because what uh, it tends to cause a lot of friction sometimes uh, you don't orgasm it because of the pain you don't feel for sex anymore and it's a simple fix um you can start using lube jellies any lube jellies the most common ones available are ky jellies there are fancy ones available as well 
any loop jelly is fine please do not use baby oil olive oil coconut oil these are not recommended to be used use loops mm-hmm. which are recommended for intercourse that's one mm-hmm. um the second symptom is doc i just don't feel for sex anymore i used to be very sexually active i had a healthy sex life but now it's it's almost like i'm forcing myself to have sex this is a very very common symptom of menopause so loss of libido as we call it this mm-hmm. is one of the most most difficult symptoms um of menopause to treat it's a very hit and miss not only menopause even younger women who come with um hyposexual disorder wherein they say i just don't feel like having sex anymore it's the most difficult symptom to treat unfortunately it's not as simple as giving a viagra pill to a man it it is a it's a long and a big connection in the brain so um the main hormone uh, related to me- women's sexual health is believe it or not testosterone which is the male hormone so mm-hmm. women have small quantities of testosterone in their system that's mm-hmm. the one which takes care of your hair your skin your sexual health uh, all of these so along with estrogen and progesterone there's a major dip in testosterone as well that happens when you go through menopause so generally when someone comes with sex related symptoms testosterone along with the estrogen progesterone is what you need to be supplementing but like i said it's a very difficult symptom to treat we're able to treat around i want to say 50 to 60% but there are a good 40 to 50% who still are uh, you know at a loss and there's unfortunately mm-hmm. not much we could we can do about this because the amount of testosterone that i can give a woman is very limited um the mm-hmm. amount of hormone uh, quantity that i can give a woman is limited so that i do not end up with serious uh, uh, adverse effects like the cancers that we were talking about wow Very interesting. Uh, 936 Bobo is a telephone number. We do have some more comments that are coming in. So Ms. Um, Iva says, I use soursop leaves when I uh, went into menopause in 2019 after I finished chemo and it worked for me. Um, so she is a cancer survivor. Uh, Lulu says that if a woman has an IUD implanted where she would not be having a menstrual cycle, how would she know if she's perimenopausal or menopausal? So um at some point I mean there there are women who will use birth control right up until I guess menopause hits. So how do you how do you know because there are certain there's not just the IUD but there's also the Depo-Provera injection that will um for most women stop your cycle completely, right? And even even the pill basically gives you um a, yes. a regulated fake um period. So how do you know if your period hasn't been regular for many many years that you know the cause is actually menopause related? Now this is actually an excellent question. Uh when you have in the IUD or you using the shots like you said, it's very difficult for you to know. We uh, go by age. So like I said, the average age for menopause is around 51. We give you benefit of the doubt and say go on till 52. uh with the iud now the depo shots are not recommended beyond the age of 50 so if you are on depo shots beyond the age of 50 that needs to be changed to something else mm-hmm. um so the iud um you're good till the iud expires so say if you're going to turn 53 54 when the iud um is set to expire 5 years mm-hmm. you're good to take it out at that point because it's really not going to cause any trouble if anything it may kind of alleviate a few symptoms of uh menopause for you 
versus the other uh, way to know is we have this hormone test known as FSH or the follicle stimulating hormone which is technically the hormone of menopause but again it's a very uh, controversial hormone so if it is in a particular range that we would call the menopausal range and if we have two values which are done mm-hmm. over a period of 3 weeks i mean 3 weeks apart we would say mm-hmm. that yes this patient is probably uh, menopausal and then we can remove it out but in my opinion if you have an iudn you'd rather just leave it in um, till you're at least 52 53 and then take it out there's no hurry uh, there's no need to because the side effect profile for an iud on its own a hormonal iud as we talk about mm-hmm. is very very uh, good it barely has any side effects and like i said if anything it's going to give you that extra dose of progesterone which will um help alleviate some of these symptoms of menopause mhm very good so uh, lulu is asking about any supplements that you can take prior and during menopause that might actually help um is there anything at all that helps that's that's you know natural supplement there are lots of supplements actually there's evening primrose oil there's a uh, black cohosh um there's a uh, cobash there are lots of these supplements that you can take but the ones that i have found maximum results with is a supplement known as isoflavones it's basically plant based soy based derivatives of uh, estrogen so uh, it has a protein called isoflavone which mimics the female estrogen uh, to some extent which kind of helps reduce your symptoms but you have to be realistic with these um, supplements it's not going to make your symptoms disappear it's probably going to mm-hmm. give you relief in tune of um, i want to say 30 to 40% but when you're suffering at 100% even a 30 mm-hmm. to 40% becomes a huge uh, relief uh, sometimes mm-hmm. it works for a good number of women but there's quite a lot of women that it doesn't work for so in my yeah. clinic how it works is um if you come in with symptoms i'm not going to start you on hormone replacement from the word go i will always mm-hmm. say take the supplements for a month two months and i will give you a call back or i will ask you to come in and you tell me how you're doing if it works for you splendid just be on that we don't need to put you on the hormones versus if it doesn't work for you then we talk about the hormones and then we do the same process again again with the hormones it's not a one size fits all what i give to person a may not be suitable for person b there are a lot of permutations and combinations and a lot of things that we have to consider her symptoms her main reason for taking it how long we expect uh, her to be uh, taking these drugs all of these go in deciding the amount and the quantity of each of the uh, the patient mhm wow good morning to susan miss joy miss brenda says sounds like you had a hysterectomy i'm not sure who she's actually commenting to ervlin says sex what's that <laughs> for ervlin she sounds like she's suffering she's going through it romelia says what about the hot flashes especially with the burning at the bottom of the feet oh my god are you kidding me ugh i've already got feet issues i don't need that um anything can be done for hot flashes specifically so flashes yes apart from the supplements that i spoke about there are a few other um non hormonal um medications that can be given um they fall in the category of anti anxiety medications but we don't give it to you as anti anxiety medication we give it to you to treat um the hot flashes but this is we generally keep it for women who Uh, have contraindications to the use of hormone replacement therapy um so mm-hmm. most important contraindication would be breast cancer uh uterine cancer a history of uh, blood clots in the past 
um all these are absolute contraindications like no matter what no matter how badly you are suffering there's no way that we can give you hormones we'll give you everything else that we can but there's no way that you can take hormones with these three particular conditions and a few others so there are these uh, subset of drugs that we would generally reserve for these women because we find that they tend to work they will again not work as well as the hormones would but they do the job at least they will bring your symptoms down by uh, say 40 to 50% right so menopause symptoms that you can look forward <laughs> to ladies some of you racing heart irregular periods hot flashes thinning hair weight gain slow metabolism vaginal dryness memory lapses headaches and difficulty concentrating so um strong will says good morning sandy i'm here in my bed listening to your show and i'm hot like hell menopause is killing me terrible so maybe you need to contact dr puja <laughs> so strong will don't be afraid ladies to ask for help i think that that's so incredibly important there's no reason why you have to suffer through this. So here's one woman who says, um I think this is a quote, uh menopause symptoms of real women. It says top 3 for me was memory loss. I'll walk into the next room knowing I had to get something and just can't seem to recall what it is I was supposed to get. Then the other one is meeting someone in the supermarket and it's someone I've known forever and I can't remember their name. Well, I have that all the time. So <laughs> that won't change at menopause. <laughs> How embarrassing is that? and the worst one is waking up at 2 a.m. drenched in sweat and having hot flashes and can't get back to sleep even i gained weight fat around my belly thank goodness i started this type of conversation with my patients and had great uh, doctor friends ladies as the men gynae wasn't very sympathetic in those early years now it's completely different as we know what diets to go on food and vitamin support that helps hot flashes and sleep etc I'm a great believer in the bioidentical hormonal cream um suppositories that are plant-based during the start of the menopause and once we are postmenopausal we're back to our normal self again lots of support groups out there and medical doctors who are sympathetic to women going through this stage of life Jennifer are there any support groups in Cayman though Well I I think um I I don't know if there are any official uh menopause support groups but i know that uh, all of my friends who are a uh, similar age and going through a similar state we all mm-hmm. become support group um many of these quotes that you're seeing came from friends of mine uh so so what happened was um somebody asked me well what you know we need some comments from other women and mm-hmm. I'll tell you, if you if you are in a public setting and you say to women oh you know you were about the same age gosh it's not easy is it as we're fanning ourselves and oh yeah but it's okay it's okay and then you close the door mm-hmm. if you, if you get some women uh behind closed doors where they know they have some time to talk that's when all this information comes out and mm. it seems so common that we all become our own support group like we once we start hearing the others talk then we realize oh so i'm not just losing my mind and oh mm-hmm. i'm not just really stressed so i can't remember anything and oh it's not this it's not that this is all attributed to menopause it's mm-hmm. not, it's not until we are all together and we all start talking that we realize oh all these things that i was just thinking were separate separate issues they're mm-hmm. all really, all going through it and that by itself feels really supportive so honestly as 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 small as making a whatsapp group with your group of group of friends helps um mm-hmm. 
letting other people know. Like some of some women that I talked to said, oh, I never have any problems. I just go in the sea. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. I'm glad mm-hmm. that they like that. But when those friends and I are in the sea, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and have a laugh and I can say, oh, I'm glad this does it for you, but it's not, it's not enough for me. Yes. Um, and everybody's different. And I think that's important to know. Yeah. And I think talking about it just with our friends makes a big difference. And as you can tell, uh, you know, Dr. Pooja is a wealth of information. There isn't anything you can't ask her. Um, sometimes I'm out in public with Dr. Pooja and I have to yank her out of the setting because nobody wants to let her go. Once mm-hmm. people are talking to her, they feel so comfortable. They love the yes. Answers questions so directly and candidly, and uh, they just want more of her. And to the lady who's who's laying in her bed, I wanted to mention something. Uh, I I hear you. I feel you. It's hard. It's hard to get out of bed some days. But while you're laying in your bed, you can uh, you can actually download an app for uh, for Health City. It's called um, Health City Connect. And you can download the app and you can book appointments while laying in bed. So for all mm. those, you're like, oh, I just can't take it. You know, mm-hmm, I or, mm-hmm. do this, but I got to get up to do it. You don't have to get up to do it. Download mm. uh, City Connect. You can check your records. You can book appointments. You can check anything 24-7. So even if it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you're waking up with that radiating heat that's the other thing it's hot flashes aren't like um they aren't like getting just hot like because the weather's hot it's a burning hot that happens it's coming from inside of you and Hmm. so so it's for me i've never had it in the bottom of my feet like the other uh, person mentioned but for me it always starts at the back of my neck and it is just a heat that goes up from my neck up and over my scalp and it is from inside and it is a radiating heat that starts from within me and then the sweat comes out uh i'm sorry that woman has it from the bottom of her feet that sounds awful um i am somebody who uh who never wears socks who just walks around barefoot on cool tile maybe i'm maybe i'm self-medicating i don't know by walking on cool tile but uh yeah anybody can See, see Dr. Pooja. Uh, she's a gynecologist at Health City. And uh, once you meet her and you close the door, it all comes off your chest and uh, she can help you feel better. You can talk to your friends. And of course, there are other ways to form real support groups. Uh, but I think that's done behind closed doors. If somebody wants mm-hmm. me, I can, I can form one at Health City. Mm, might not be a bad idea. Yeah. Um, so other descriptions, hot flashes, brain fog, sleeplessness, depression, anxiety, headaches, fatigue, lack of appetite, then wanting to eat everything, you know, <laughs> the usual. Oh my gosh. Another quote here. Um, this is real women sharing their experiences. Itchy, crawly skin, being freezing cold, then sweating like I'm in a sauna only minutes later. Lack of sleep, depression, boiling anger and rage. What? Dry eyes, oh my goodness, horrific heavy periods with uh, debilitating abdominal pain, and I've never had issues before. The body snatchers stole my body three years ago and replaced it with a fatter version that doesn't change shape no matter what I do. It's overall pretty super awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, I feel so sorry I'm reading these and I'm like, whoa. Um, so some, some people, we're going to come back to some of the coping tips here in a second, but, um, 
Sherry Ann says, just go to the gym and exercise. That's it. That's all it takes. Somehow I don't believe that. Welcome, Monica. She says, my best friend takes um, Promise oil tablets and Amberin, and she's what she calls her happy pills. And she said, it's amazing. And it helps her with all the symptoms. I saw her suffer for years before, and now she's doing well. So at some point there's, there's coming out on the other side of this. I think you have to remember that as well. Right. Um, Sharon yes, is asking, absolutely. is uh, premenopause possible in your early forties? It is. It very much is possible in your early forties. Wow. Mm. Hey, Sandy, uh, Ms. Brenda. And we have, sorry, Sandy, but I think when mm -hmm. we're and we, you know, when we have periods for so many years, we go, oh gosh, I can't wait until this is all over. Having periods is so awful, you mm -hmm. know, so you have all of that trouble. And honestly, I so regret saying that because <laughs> I say that all the oh, time. My goodness. And I don't want women to feel like, oh, this is so awful. You can't enjoy your life, but it is a different time of life. And you just have to find different ways to get through it. On the, on the topic of exercise, I've gained so much weight as it seems like, you know, every 10 year, every, every year, it's a 10 pound creep as they call mm -hmm. it. And it just doesn't go away. And I feel like, oh, I don't even eat that much. But I know in my heart that the problem is I don't get enough exercise, mm -hmm. but I somebody who can just go to the gym and exercise for the sake of exercise. So uh, I talked to Dr. Pooja probably a couple months ago. I happened to see her in the cafeteria and I said, oh, you're never going to guess what I'm doing today. It was a Saturday. And mm -hmm. uh, I said, what? I said, I'm taking my first surfing lesson. And mm. so um, at my age with this body, um, I decided that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shake things up. And I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to do something that I have zero skills at doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Something that I is completely different and new for me that will be a great source of fun because it did look like fun to me. Um, but the, the result of it is going to be that I'm going to get a really great workout. And every time I do the surfing, oh my gosh, I come home like a rag doll. I, my limbs are so tired. My whole body is exhausted. Mm. But funny is my surf instructor is actually a 52 year old guy and since I've started mm -hmm. he's had five new um five new surfer women so I'm starting sort of by default a golden girl sur surfer <laughs> club um and there's a lot of us who are doing it too and finding it fun so yes. that's okay. you don't have to force yourself to exercise and do something that you hate um, yes some new way to shake it up so that you can find support in a group and have some fun and do things differently. Yes. Miss Brenda's asking a question. She says, when a female's testosterone are high is what is the significance of that? So high testosterone levels in female is um, not related to menopause. It is related to most commonly polycystic ovarian syndrome. Uh, which is why you would see, you know, an increase in facial hair growth or hair growth over your body, like male pattern of hair, as we say, uh, oily skin, acne, hair fall, all of these. That's the most common um, cause for high testosterone. You have other less common causes, which are adrenal tumors and um, adrenal gland issues or uh, some other sex uh, hormone related issues, which are not polycystic ovarian syndrome, which tend to be a little more complex. Mm -hmm. hmm. 
Very interesting. Simple fixes, birth control pills, if yes. it is causing any symptoms, if it is required. But it's again, it's not just because the testosterone levels are high uh, that we're going to give you birth control. And honestly, we don't even need to keep checking these hormones. So that's another thing that I want to talk about, Sandy. When someone comes in uh, saying, "I have these symptoms, doc. Let's check my hormone levels." We do not mm-hmm. need to test your hormones to start HRT or to tell you that yes, these are symptoms of menopause. because i know your hormones are going to be low whether you have the symptoms or you don't have the symptoms we treat mm-hmm. your symptoms we don't treat numbers it's as mm-hmm. simple as that we do not treat numbers we are treating symptoms and not all symptoms uh, warrant hormone replacement therapy there are very um, robust uh, guidelines for symptoms that need treatment hot flashes mm-hmm. mood swing loss of libido vaginal dryness Mm-hmm. uh osteoporosis or osteopenia these are the only uh, symptoms that we would treat um or you know frequent urinary tract infections which is again related to the vaginal dryness issues these are the few sim- the few symptoms that uh, are mm-hmm. approved for the use of hormone replacement not for oh doc i don't like how my skin feels or how my hair looks i want to start that it's not mm-hmm. approved for conditions like this so we need to be very very careful about how we're treating what we're doing and how we're dealing with it but having said that you don't need to suffer in silence you don't need to suffer at all no matter what age you are whether you're mm-hmm. uh, early 40s whether you are 60 as long as you have the symptoms and as long mm-hmm. as you don't have the contraindications to be treated you definitely can get the help that you deserve right i saw one person in the comment section i think that might have been lulu saying that her physician tells her not to get hormone replacement but it could be that she just doesn't fit the criteria as you've just said for women who would be um it's not for everyone in other words right so there is like i said if you don't have these set indications hormone replacement is not for you if you have the contraindications it's not for you but then there are lots of other things that we can give you like the lady just mentioned about the evening primrose and the amberine amberine is a bla- brand of uh, you know menopausal supplements you have various others in the market you have uh, something known as menopace um if you go to gnc they will have theirs if you go to island naturals they will have their own supplement basically mm-hmm. these are all just natural supplements and like i said they work for quite a few women so if you start experiencing early symptoms like your hot flashes have just started creeping in i would say this is the best time to start these supplements so they can kind of help you through that journey mm-hmm. till unless it until it reaches a point where you know the supplements are not doing anything for you and then you always right. have me to come in speak with and decide whether you need the hormones or not okay very good um alejandro says that he's never <laughs> had a discussion like this and he uh, doesn't think this is a topic for men strange i'm still here but are <laughs> there any similar factors like this on the men side so alejandro it's a good thing that you're still here and this is a topic for everyone because most women have a man in their lives um whether it's a romantic partner even family members and if you see people suffering from depression anxiety and other things it might be related to this entire process so i think it's really really good for um for everyone to have this this knowledge base and this information do men go through anything that's like the equivalent of menopause they do have something known as andropause but like most unfortunately i don't want to take it away from the men but like most things the women suffer way more than the men they just feel yeah. the they just know, they just uh, probably even i tell you 
I mean, God, God was not favorable towards women. <laughs> he gave us all the hard work. Or, the, no, the or I, as like I, oh my goodness. <laughs> so I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that, Sandy. I wouldn't say God wasn't favorable. He just knew that the men can't handle it. Oh. As much as the women can. I, I, sorry, I had to say this out loud. Oh my goodness! Yes. Whew. All right. So, um, folks, uh, here are the stages. Um, somebody else was asking. I think they were a little bit late to the program about sort of when this can start. So here's a little um, cheat sheet for you on the different stages. Uh, Lenny says that there's a women's health Cayman Facebook group for all health-related issues. Um, we've got stage one, which is the perimenopause. And that's the time leading up to menopause where hormones start to decline. Uh, this can last up to 10 years. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? <laughs> and then you've got, so stage one by itself can last up to 10 years? Or that's the entire three stages? Sorry, Dr. Pooja? I, I think she might not be hearing me. Let me see. No, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, you're here. No, I was just asking, just clarifying yeah. what this slide says. So stage one can last up to mm -hmm. 10 years on its own, the perimenopause? Yeah. So uh, so menopause is in the center. Then you have, it's, it's just categorized as peri and post, but we normally call it perimenopause around both sides, uh, where okay. the norm is two to five years, but the symptoms can go up to seven to 10 years on either side. But we generally mm -hmm. see that the up to the five year mark is when it's full blown and crazy. And then symptoms start, you know, ever so slightly start coming down till they just mm -hmm. disappear. One fine day, you know, seven years, 10 years down the line, you can finally breathe a sigh of relief and say, ha, it's over. Mm -hmm. My goodness. All right. So some coping mechanisms, dietary changes, exercise, controlling triggers for hot flashes. Uh, Jennifer, what triggers a hot flash? Is there such thing? What, what triggers it? Just being a uh, woman, I think. <laughs> thing. Um, yeah, there, there isn't for, for me, I, I haven't noticed, um, you know, it's, it's funny as I'm sitting here thinking about this uh, and reading these descriptions, I'm drinking coffee, which is caffeinated, of course. And mm -hmm. uh, I shouldn't be drinking coffee because maybe that's triggering a, hot flashes. I'll have to go talk to Dr. Pooja about this. Um, but for, for me, I can't think of anything that particularly triggers uh, mm. hot for me. Um, I do know that uh, I tend, I just feel like I always run a little hot. Like I mm -hmm. just always about five degrees hotter than anybody else in the room. Mm. Um, ways that I manage that, you know, at, at home, uh, the the air conditioning is always on. I should get like a a, a a VIP customer card from from CUC because I am always air conditioned by necessity. Um, mm -hmm. I I have a fan on my desk at work, um, and uh, I I am turning that thing on. You know, high, low, off, high, low, off, depending on the moment of the day. Um, it, it that's just the way that. I manage it. And mm -hmm. so what triggers it? If I had to guess how many times I got hot and cool through the day, it's got to be 20 at least. Mm -hmm. um, it just kind of comes over in wave. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it goes, comes on for a few minutes and then it goes away. Um, and so I don't know what triggers it. Maybe, 
maybe it's just um, a stage that the, that's just the way it is, or maybe it's the, maybe it's stress of thinking about something. I'll come see you, Dr. Pooja, and we'll have to talk about this. Mm. All right. Um, so, so some most, more. Uh, take that question. The, the yes. most common trigger, if you would ask women, is alcohol and coffee. These are two of the triggers. Like, I think around 90% of the women who would come in, and if I ask them, what do you think uh, triggers this? Alcohol is number one on that list. And then caffeinated beverages are second on the list. And then again, there's no reason. Like Jen is saying that she has a fan on her table. Trust me, Hell City is one of, this cold, one of the coldest places in Cayman. It's like the Tundra region of Canada. So if she's saying she has a stand fan on her table, you can, you can imagine uh, the hot flashes. The hot flashes are real. The hot flashes will just come from out of nowhere. They come, sometimes they come from within you. You feel like you are radiating heat to everything and everyone around you. Sometimes it feels oh like somebody is blow-torching you. But it, it comes from nowhere and goes, just goes away. Like it lasts for around 40 to 60 seconds. It just comes and it goes. And this is what I'm mm -hmm. describing from textbooks. Unfo not unfortunately. I haven't reached the stages for uh, hot flashes yet. Fingers crossed. But this is what uh, most women will describe to you as well. This is how they feel. Like a blowtorch is on you or you are the blowtorch. Very interesting because uh, I, I just don't drink alcohol. Maybe <laughs> I have two alcoholic drinks in a year. So I know that alcohol isn't a trigger for me. But boy, do I drink coffee. So uh, it certainly could be coffee mm. for me. And one Absolutely, more thing it could be was asking about um, like uh, relationships and your partner and stuff. Uh, I'm somebody who's been married 32 years now. And uh, my, my husband is very understanding. But there are times when um, we're together. And if my husband like puts his arm around me and mm -hmm. like goes to rub my back, oh my gosh, I, I just can't get his hand off of me fast enough because he makes me hotter. So um, there's plenty of times when I'm just like swatting his hand away and he just has to understand. I have to tell him, you're, I'm just too hot. You're making me hotter. Um, and so <laughs> and in mo most times that would be a compliment to uh, a husband, but not in this case. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so I, I feel lucky that I have a, a husband who... Um, who understands that I'm I'm not uh, I'm not pushing him away? It's the heat. I'm just trying to cool down a little bit. Yeah. So Jana is here. Jani, she says, "Morning, Sandy. Menopause. Hmm. Hot flashes, mood swings. Oh boy. Hot, hot topic." Ryan is in the comment section. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate the men who are here. He says, "It's good to know about this since we have mothers and we know females who might not be aware of what's happening to them. As for men, testosterone levels fall." causing brain fog, depression, lack of motivation and drive, loss of muscle mass and energy levels. So there is an aging process, folks, for both men and women. Um, Rose, Rosalyn, I think, says, um, what advice would you give to someone who is young uh, who got plunged into menopause due to radical hysterectomy? So a hysterectomy, a surgery like that is one of the things that can impact the onset of uh, perimenopause and menopause. Uh, not a regular routine hysterectomy. Her question is radical hysterectomy, which is something we would advise for uh, women who've had to deal with cancer. So a radical hysterectomy would involve removing the ovaries and the uterus along with a lot of other tissues. So the fact is, once the ovaries are removed, your body goes through crash menopause. So whatever age, if you were, say, 
twenty and your ovaries were removed versus if you're fifty and your ovaries are removed, you are going to go through menopause. Now oh, depends wow. on what kind. Uh, I mean, what kind of cancer this um, um, particular person or this lady uh, had the surgery for. Uh, depends mm-hmm. on that uh, whether we can give you hormones or not most often mm-hmm. it will be a no no because anything cancer related is a big taboo even if it is a cancer like um cervical cancer where we know that there's no role at all of the hormones mm-hmm. but we will still be extremely skeptical because that label of cancer is in front of us but there are other things like i said you have your vitamin d your calcium you have anti osteoporotic agents you have uh, the peroxetine which i can give you for hot flashes there and there are natural supplements like the evening primrose the black cohosh the red clover all of these things that you can take mm-hmm. which should be able to help with these symptoms and the isoflavones all right so she also says that she's 6 weeks post surgery and she's having the full 9 yards of hot flashes along with other symptoms so maybe um you know speak to dr pooja that's probably um not a bad idea So Alejandro appreciating the comment coming from yeah. another man. He says, "Thanks Ryan. I hadn't really thought of it like that, and I think Sandy needs to get her doctors in for discussion of this too." Um, men, you guys get you get everything. Let 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 what women have our moment or or menopausal discussion and you guys just sit back and learn a little bit. <laughs> Shavon um says, "Damn, this is not something she's looking forward to." Um so Lulu says you ever notice that uh, each suffering woman has it involves a man menopause menstrual cycle good grief honey child <laughs> Oh my goodness that's funny All right um Miss Brenda says men go through menopause that is when they think that they're 25 years old again <laughs> and God's greatest gift to earth while they're lacking in sex drive ED etc a massive display of immaturity look around it's smothering oh ooh that was like sizzling right there miss brenda all the men are like oh miss brenda not so harsh um but a little bit funny all right soka says um i don't think <laughs> alcohol or coffee so maybe that's i don't drink alcohol or coffee so maybe that's it um <laughs> let me see what else we've got here Uh, hot Lulu says um doing good my dear Sandy got us all up and down this week from a hot topic of scammers yesterday to an even hotter topic today what trouble is this what can i tell you you guys are so funny all right um honey chill oh tomorrow make sure you you definitely tune in tomorrow I'll tell you guys I'll remind you again here in a second Shavon wanting her CMR mug and we have some what's up commentary coming in so this person says Um I started premenopause or perimenopause at 38, menopause at 40, but have been having issues for 20 years now. Uh there's been no menopause for me. She's like it's not pausing. <laughs> It has been a continuation of 20 years worth of symptoms. Global warming is from hot flashes, they joke. Um they also say they're on their way to work. Uh thanks for today's program. Really enjoying it. Can you ask about DVT blood clotting issues warfarin and hormone treatments does that have anything to do with the hormone treatments or menopause yeah so uh, it's one of the contraindications remember i mentioned blood clots somebody yes. who has had a history of blood clots or deep vein thrombosis is the medical term for it um if it is in your legs 
that's what um, you will not be eligible for hormone replacement therapy or any sort of hormones for that matter um the only hormone that you could receive is the mirena or the iud which we can put into the womb because that is proven beyond doubt to be safe in women who've had a personal history of uh, blood clots as well it's not going to take away all of your symptoms but it is still better than doing nothing about it mhm mm of course apart from the other supplements as well right all right folks there's another thing um, i wanted to talk about sandy just very quickly mm -hmm. I had this patient who came in for something completely different. She was having some issues with her periods, but she looked. Um, this was the second time I was seeing her. She looked very um, depressed or just very low, and somehow just I just went in that conversation and just asked her what happened. Is there anything that's happening? Can I help you in some way? And she just mm -hmm. broke down, crying and saying, "I don't know what's happening. Um, I'm on the verge of a divorce because." um you know it things are not working out between my husband and i and and she just described her reasons for it she's like anything he says i just lash out at him i know i'm lashing out but i'm not able to control and you know four or five other things that she described the sex also was a part of it mm -hmm. but unfortunately for her she did not know that these were all symptoms of menopause that she was going through but she oh. was seeing another gynecologist i think she she came to see me for a health check and then she came back for um another i mean for a review with some report and then mm -hmm. when she described her symptoms to me and i said i feel that you're going through menopause i mean these are all menopause symptoms would you be open to trying mm -hmm. a hormone replacement and she's like at this point mm -hmm. i'll try anything if you tell me to stand on my head and bend backwards i will do that as well mm -hmm. and trust me we started a hormone replacement she came back in 2 months to see me i told her we'll just speak over the phone but she said no i want to come back and see you she came mm -hmm. back literally skipping smiling i had never seen her smile that way and she's like i don't know what you did but it was magical that completely changed uh, the way things were at home her husband came in too to say thank you and he was like i don't know what happened but the thing is this is what i wanted to put forth sometimes what do you think are just marital issues may unfortunately be underlying symptoms of menopause so don't put off anything don't put off your moodiness and your emotions your anxiety your depression your anger issues to just it's just because i have these issues it's mm -hmm. probably a little deeper than that and uh, more simpler than you think uh, mm -hmm. it would be for treatment mm. wow there's so another even... woman who had come in mm -hmm. Yeah, even who, Odessa who says, yeah. "Has anyone experienced uh, premenopausal rage?" It's so, very, it's very real. So, if a woman comes in with her husband or her mm -hmm. partner, and if I ask about mood swings, I will immediately turn to the partner and say, "You are the person, the best person to be answering this question." And mm -hmm. they will be like, "Yes, she was always moody. Most women are. It's just unfortunately how we've made, we've been made. It's just our hormones. But mm -hmm. off late, she's it's gone over the top." Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um so yes, um Odessa possible. Miss Brenda says yes. Uh Ervlin says menopause breaks marriages. My goodness. Can I tell you that I've said to my husband at 32 years in and I as a, jokingly, but I I have said to him, I am so much more likely to kill you than divorce you during menopause. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh and Ervlyn has admitted to experiencing the rage and mood swings and she says my poor husband oh my goodness 
All right, men. So at least now you know what might be going on if you've been sitting back listening to the program. Um, take your wife in to see Dr. Pooja at Health City. There are treatment options available. We do have a caller on the line. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Hey, morning, Sandra. Lamona, how are you doing? Hey, morning. How are you? I'm good. Just driving and listening to this menopause episode. Yes. Just wanted to yes. share something. Why it's, why it's very important as well for, for men, um, partners, husbands, whatever, to also educate themselves on this. Mm-hmm. reason I'm saying that is I'm not with my ex, obviously. My ex-husband, we're, we're divorced for a different reason, but he took it upon himself um, when I think it was about four there. So I started seeing changes in my menstrual mm-hmm. and then I would um, feel hot one minute and the night. Then I take off the, the blanket. Mm-hmm. Then I would feel cold. I would just back and forth. He mm-hmm. took it upon himself and he took it up. And then he, he just, he said, I think you, you, you're going through menopause. This is the symptoms, blah, 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 ABC, but you know, he, he, he really looked it up. So whenever I wasn't like myself, mm-hmm. he would, he would, um, he would say, babe, think that a menopause, you know? Mm-hmm. So he, he looked for the symptoms and looked for different things that, that the, whatever on the Google, whatever he looked it up on. And then um, I didn't even have to look it up. I kind of knew some of the stuff, obviously. But like I said, it it it, it, it helped me, mm-hmm. and it helped him whenever he saw me. You know, if I I was like Jesus, I feel so hard. I just got like miserable, and then and then and then one minute I just feel cold, and mine was hot and cold, but it wasn't mm-hmm. bad. I must say I'm now what fifty one, mm-hmm. and I I don't have no no issues, but every day about around the same time, especially when I'm at work, mm-hmm. for some reason around four-ish after four, mm-hmm. I just get this quick little hot flash just comes over me and I just feel it just as heat runs through my body it's every single day basically. And um, it lasts for just a few seconds, thank the Lord, because mm-hmm. I hear some horror, horror stories about, you know, what some persons go through, etc. But I must say, and I say thank the Lord again, Mm-hmm. I am I I the most I have is just a few seconds of hot flush and it just I feel a sweat come on my forehead and and just make a joke of it you know you just okay that time and and it just go away but that's me like I said everybody is go through it so differently mm-hmm. but again um you know it it do mash up a lot of persons relationships. And stuff because I think this is where the husbands and the boyfriends mm-hmm. and partners that's weird. I think they should put in that extra effort to try and also um you know, look it up and or get more information mm-hmm. on it. Because like the lady said, she was about to get divorced and stuff like that because and if you don't take that step, like the what the lady did, she went to the doctor and if, if she don't take that step upon your for yourself, mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. You need to do that yourself as as the, as the woman. Take care of your own body and make sure that you're okay and you're getting looked after and getting the help that you need, you know, to make sure that you're good. Because obviously most persons have children. Mm-hmm. It not only affected the partner, it would also affect your children as well. You know, so Absolutely. that's my on it, just to say that it, it's very important for the men to also 
know what's happening with their, their wives or partners body and and instead of just saying oh she's miserable right it, that's not that's not just what women are yeah we are everything we are everything that that that, that a man is not and it will mm-hmm. never be mm-hmm. so they just need to you know i just saying not just by the two steps on there yeah thank you so much appreciate the commentary all right certainly. all right my dear have a good one you too there so, um, I mean, I think it's it's good that people are are calling in and talking about their personal experiences with it. And I think absolutely men should be educated. I kind of feel like in the Caribbean in particular, men are kind of like there's certain things that they don't want to get involved in, that they don't they don't want to talk about that for them is even more taboo than the women. You know, they don't want to take responsibility for birth control or anything like that. They're like, oh, no, 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 that's your job. You know, I think we need to start changing the narrative and the way in which we think and be a little bit more progressive. Um, men, you want to be in relationship with women. If that's what you want to do, then you have to understand um, some of the, the phases of a woman's life and what she will be going through. Um, and hopefully to be there as a support system for her as well. And recognizing sometimes when she might not be able to recognize it, um, you know, if there's some changes in her behavior or <coughs> mood swings or whatever, to encourage her to reach out. So Brenda says, caller, you hit the nail on the head. Definitely men need to be educated in this just as much as women. And um, not only the education, but Dr. Pooja, of course, people are saying that they want to reach out to you. Jennifer, tell us a little bit about the Health City Connect app and how that works. Yeah, so that's a, a great way to uh, to connect. So what you do is, um, you know, you go on to your, um, your local or U.S. Play Store and uh, you download an app called Health City Connect. And then once you download it, you can book appointments, you can check your medical records, and you can do that any time of day from your phone, no matter where you are. So if you're traveling and you feel like, oh, I have some dead time in an airport, you can book your appointments and you can think about your own health at that time. Maybe you're in the middle of a hot flash and you go, you know what, this is a reminder, I'm gonna do this right now. Um, another mm-hmm. way, of course, that you can always connect uh, at, with Health City is to just call us. You can call the, the general number 640-4040, mm-hmm. again, 640-4040. Um, and uh, and say that you want to book an appointment with Dr. Pooja or whoever else it is. And another thing that people seem to like at Health City is that uh, we have something called executive health checks. Mm-hmm. And executive health checks, um, that's another thing. You, you can book that by calling 640-4040, and you can uh, get more information. If you want to go info at healthcity.ky. You can email it that way. And with the executive health checks, there's um, there's a general health check. There's a, a list of things that work for mm-hmm. men. And then you can add on special things for uh, women or additional things for men so that it's customized exactly for you. And, you know, one more thing on this topic is that uh, I, I think in a lot of ways, the fact that we're talking about this mm-hmm. um, is of course, really important, but it's kind of uncharted territory too. Because if mm-hmm. I think about my own mother, like 40 years ago, when a woman started having gynecological problems, it seemed like the first thing they did was do a radical hysterectomy. My mom was 38 and she had a radical hysterectomy. So from 38 until she died at 80, um, you know, this, this, I don't think she ever talked about this stuff, uh, except maybe with her doctor. 
I know she tried. To, she was on that hormone. She was on Tremorin for a while, and then she went off of it. I, we all remember the time she went off of it, and then she went right back on it. It was uh, it was harder for women. So the fact I appreciate you doing this show today, Sandy, because it allows us to start talking about this stuff and let women know you're not crazy. It's not just you. This is something that is uh, that is happening to all of us, and um, it, there is help out there. All right. Wonderful. So um, we'll wrap up here. Siobhan says, uh, sounds rough. I'm glad I'm not at that stage yet, uh, but I'm just here to learn. I watched my poor mother have to deal with it. But funny enough, you wouldn't have known she was suffering as she didn't tell you. And that really, Siobhan, speaks to this stigma, I think, um, especially for women of a different generation who didn't really want to talk about these issues. And you know what? I think we are um, entering an era where it's we're more comfortable having these discussions. You know, on this show, nothing is taboo, nothing is off topic. We can talk about anything, folks. We can talk about sex in an educational way. We can talk about you know health issues that affect both men and women. This is just part of life, so it's nothing to be afraid of. the The biggest fear in life should be the unknown, and you only stay in the dark if you refuse to learn because there's a wealth of information that is available um, to all of us. There are professionals like Dr. Pooja, who you know you can go and sit down and have a chat with. There's people like Jennifer. Get that support group started, Jennifer, for um, peri and menopausal women. I'm sure you know you guys can get together, not for a coffee, but maybe some iced tea or something else. <laughs> you can, yeah, you can have some meat, meat and greets and you know, do a smoothie or something else. I don't know. But um, we want to thank again, Dr. Pooja, who's the um, consultant OBGYN um, at Health City Cayman Islands. Jennifer also works at Health City Cayman Islands, but like she said this morning, she was here in her capacity as a, um, a menopausal woman who hopefully is going to be on the other side of, of that rainbow pretty soon. And she'll get her pot of gold for all of the suffering, all the years of hot flashes. So um, I'm not there yet, Dr. Pooja. I'm coming up on uh, this year is going to be 50 for me. Remember, guys, I'm doing my 50 by 50 in August. Um, so we'll see. I haven't noticed anything yet. I haven't noticed any symptoms. Um, so maybe I'll be one of the lucky ones in the 5% who really won't have any, any concerns. But I don't know. We'll wait and see. Thank you so much, ladies. I really appreciate you on the program today. Thanks for Thank you for having me. I just hope that women tend to uh, will speak up more about their health and for themselves a little more after this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, ladies. All right, Dr. Pooja and Jennifer, thank you ever so much. Um, folks, uh, we've got, we go until 1030 now. In case you hadn't noticed, there's been a little bit of creep with the show. You might have noticed um, a lot of times we're like begging Chuck for overtime so on our one-year renewal of the show, um, actually the good folks over at DMS said, Sandy, we're going to go ahead and just slot you in till 1030 in the mornings. Um, so that's what we're here for. Now, some days I got to skadoodle out of here a little bit quicker because I do have to try to um, get to court. Now, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit of the court, so what's been going on in court. But um, let me do a couple announcements before that that are pretty important. So first of all, big shout out um, to CUC. They have a um, scholarship program. Now, listen, y'all want to complain about, you know, your children can't get an education. They can't do this. They can't do that. Opportunities for Caymanians. 
I'm always surprised that when I see opportunities become available and they've come up that Caymanians, you all, uh, cave people complain about everything are not jumping on these opportunities. There's no reason, zero reason why you should not be jumping on this with your kids, right? So here it is, CUC scholarship available. They've extended the submission deadline to March the 15th. I suspect they've extended it because y'all are not applying. Hello, are y'all listening to me this morning? Get with the program, honey child. Make sure that um, you know you take you take advantage of this. Your children um, should be you know more than understanding that not everybody can afford. Like a lot of parents can afford to send their kids off to university. It can get very expensive, and this is a wonderful opportunity um, for you to you know, apply for a corporate scholarship. So come on now. So here are the details. Easy to apply. Now, um, the scholarship deadline, like I said, has been extended until the 15th of March. They're accepting applications for both the CUC scholarship and a level scholarship. So you guys know I'm not really that familiar with the English system. Um, However, A-levels, I think, is the equivalent of like... um, people who go to, um, what's it called in the States? Not university, but um, community college, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't really quite fully understand what A-levels are, to be honest. Uh, In the US, it's very, very different. But you do that, apparently, if you're in the British system here, before you go off to university. So I think it's kind of like community college. Or maybe AP, because I did like advanced placement exams and stuff. And those are like college credit courses. I don't know. But anyway, um, if you're doing your A-levels and you're interested in doing your A-levels, so somebody said A-levels is like an associate's. Oh, like an associate's? Like the first two years of university? Okay. Well, then get on it, folks. Um, So you can get A-level scholarships. You just go to cuckman.com slash careers slash scholarships. We actually have it up on the website. Go check the website, um, our Facebook page. And all the links and stuff are there. And you click on apply now. And it'll give you, uh, you choose what scholarship you're interested in. And then you basically just follow the instructions. There's scholarship rules and guidelines. Uh, Read that. And then you'll see what documentation they need. So here we have pictured some young people who themselves have benefited from a CUC scholarship. So we have Ruby Paleta. She was a 2022 CUC scholarship recipient. We have Amari Hamilton. He was the A-level scholarship recipient. Congratulations. James Ebanks, he was the A-level recipient in 2022 as well. And then we have Justin White, who received a um, 2022 scholarship. So it looks like to me, they give out at least a couple each year, because all four of these young people are part of the um, 2022 recipient program. So, you know, Get, tell your young folks like there's there's a process. I'm I'm always again surprised people. Oh, you know, oh my child has to submit. You expect you expect someone to just give your kid something, and folks, that ain't how it works in the real world. Okay, honestly, listen. I was hustling in high school, applying for stuff, getting ready for university. Yes, I don't have no money, but I know I'm getting myself a degree. 
And so how, how is it going to be paid for? And I did everything um, in my power folks to make sure that I had um, the things in place for me to be able to get funding. And it was, it was, listen, it wasn't easy, right? Even with that um, funding and in, in university can be really, really expensive. So they cover A-levels, associate's degrees, bachelor's and master's. So they'll do everything from <coughs> two to three years from associate, a bachelor's degree is four years and a master's degree is two years. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if there's any age limit to any of these. Um, hmm, maybe I'll go get another master's degree. No, honey child, I need to work on that PhD next. Yes, Dr. Sandy. Okay, um, so the guidelines are here. I encourage you to just read through it. Um, you know, they have all the different things about their GPA expectations, um, you know, code of ethics. There are things that are in place. Yes, of course they um, have expectations, but uh, nothing out of the ordinary that I can see from just having a, a quick cursory look at this. Go and check it out. Thank you, Cece. Scholarships for up to $40,000. That is, that's no chump change, y'all. That's good money. Um, so, mm-hmm, you'll get, you'll get the scholarship money, good people. And congratulations to these young people from 2022 who were the recipients. Big shout out, um, Kim and Airways having a sale to Panama. This sale has been extended. It was originally supposed to end over the weekend. It has been extended further until the 15th as well to make sure that you all can capture these sale prices, honey, chill. Um, I've been to Panama and it is an absolutely gorgeous destination. I want to go again. I feel like there's so much that I didn't get to see. I got to do like a part two of that trip. So definitely uh, go and check it out. Um, get tickets. Cause remember the, the flight, the nonstop flights to Panama are starting back. Uh, so take advantage of that. They're doing a airfare sale at the moment for the Cayman to Panama route nonstop. A uh, couple of holidays coming up, long holiday weekends. A lot of people like to go away for those and do a little mini excursion. You know, it's nice when a destination is only an hour or two hours away um, from us. You can go just for the weekend and it doesn't really um, take up too much energy to make the trip. Okay. Uh, Ms. Brenda says A-levels are required for university admission to UK universities, sort of an associate's degree. Yeah, because I I'll, I tell you what, I did find it a bit strange. Like even when I did my, um, when I went to law school, law school is like a bachelor's degree under the English system. And so in the US, it's not at all. In the US, you need to first have a bachelor's and then you do your Juris, um, J, JD, jur, Juris Doctorate or whatever. And that's like the equivalent of a master's degree, but specializing in just law. So um, they're very different systems for sure. And so when I went to law school here, I'm like, oh, this is like redoing a bachelor's degree. And in fact, when I then did my master's degree, which was in the American system, so I have one English-based degree, which is a law degree, and then the rest are American-based. Um, the batch, the master's degree from Nova Southeastern, which is in public administration, the funny thing about that is they needed me to convert my, um, like give them a conversion, even in terms of like the grades and stuff like that. Cause there's no, you know, second upper, second lower or whatever in the U S system. So I had to do like a whole conversion thing. I had to pay for this service 
for them to translate what that degree meant uh, so the Americans could read it like from a grade perspective and understand what my grade was for the law degree. So it was very, very different. Salvin is in the house with all the talking you do, no symptoms of menopause for you. You would have spoken them away. <laughs> if, if life was only that easy, Salvin, if it was only that easy. Um, and thank you too. Big shout out to the pharmacist there in Countryside. She's always checking on me. I appreciate her so much. She said to me um, yesterday, she said that your voice sounded pretty good. So she's always listening to the voice. So I've been, I've been trying to follow your advice. I haven't had any oats in a while because apparently you're not supposed to eat oats when you're having like inflammatory stuff going on in your throat and stuff. But I do miss eating my oats. So I'm hoping I can hopefully get back to that soon. Uh, yep. So drinking tea and water. Uh-huh. So um, when, when is Anton scheduled to return to court? Who's Anton? Anton. Who? Anton. Who's Anton? Okay, not ringing a bell, I'm thinking. Hmm. So I'll tell you what has been going on in court. Uh, Martin says, pharmacist at Countryside, she is the best. Um... So I tell you what, I have been going to court trying to listen to this. Um, the trial is actually over. So the jury has had, this is the J Jovan Dixon case. So this is a young man that is being accused of killing another young man there in Bodentown. You guys might remember this because it happened like four o'clock in the afternoon, the murder. Um, somebody shot and killed him. Um, it, it's a very, very interesting case, I must tell you. Mm. You know, because it's a jury trial, I try not to say too much until it's over. So the jury has um, the um, the jury has the the case, and they've had it for a good couple of days now, and they seem unable to come to a decision. So we might be looking at a hung jury. I'll tell you what. Yesterday, um, they can't come to a decision on murder. So murder requires premeditation. So the judge has said, because there's always the option to charge someone with the lesser offense. So there's murder and then manslaughter. So the judge has asked them to go back to the jury room and consider a manslaughter conviction because on manslaughter, you don't need uh, an uh, unanimous decision. Murder has to be unanimous. All 12 people have to agree to murder because, you know, the seriousness of that. Manslaughter, on the other hand, is a majority. So manslaughter is um, the minimum majority for manslaughter is nine, nine to three, basically. It can be more than nine. So it can be 10 to two, 11 to one. But the minimum for manslaughter is nine people have to agree on a guilty verdict. So it's a majority but the majority criteria is actually nine individuals. So she sent the jury out late yesterday with instructions on that for them to consider manslaughter instead of murder. And uh, yesterday, how it ended was they asked for more time. So they basically said to her, they believe that they can come to a decision, guilty, not guilty. They believe that they can come to a decision on manslaughter and that they just require more time. So she's given them more time. So they will reconvene this morning at 10 o'clock and they will maybe 
come back with a decision today. It's going to either be guilty, not guilty, or they're going to say they're still hung and they can't get the majority nine plus whatever. So obviously we will keep you guys updated on that. Um, his defenses, he, he doesn't deny that he was there and he didn't take the stand to be very clear. He's not provided any evidence, but in his police interviews and his apparent alibi, um, he claims that he was there, but he was giving a Jamaican man a ride by the name of Blacks, and it was a Jamaican man who killed this guy. That's his story. Say nothing in the comment section, folks. This is a jury trial. We do not want to prejudice this in any way, shape, or form. After they come back with a decision, we're free to talk about it. We can go through all the case. I'm going to talk about what the prosecution said, what the defense said, the whole nine yards. It is very, very interesting, I must say. All right, but I won't say anything more. You guys don't say anything. Leave it there for now, and we will circle back to it. Someone shared a very interesting article. Um, I'm going to get into this on another day about cannabis. They said, hey, Sandy, catching up on your shows, and um, I thought I'd share this after listening to a caller. So um, this is a BBC article that said that Amsterdam, I think this was Alejandro the other day that was talking about... Um, you know, cannabis. And this article actually says that Amsterdam is banning cannabis in its red light district. So I'm sure not what Alejandro wanted to hear, um, but I'm glad that this caller shared this with me because this is why it's so incredibly important to have accurate and up-to-date information. I know a lot of times we form our opinions on what we um, think is happening around the world and what you know is going on around the world, but sometimes we're using outdated information that is no longer relevant, or things have changed, and we use that to then defend our belief system, because this is what human beings do. We have a belief, and to justify our beliefs, we try to then find the evidence afterwards. Most of us don't operate the other way, which is to look at the evidence in an um, objective way, and then form a belief based on the evidence. I try to be the latter kind of person. And I think in most things, I'm able to um, quite objectively look at the evidence. There's some things that I know I have a bias in um, automatically going into a situation. We're all human beings. But I think recognizing your biases and admitting to them even is uh, really, really important. So um, thanks for sharing that. I thought it was very, very interesting. We'll, we'll publish a rewrite of that story um, on our website uh, so that you guys can have a read of the details of why there's been this policy change in Amsterdam. Hmm. Uh, Lost Dog reunited um, last night with their owners in West Bay. Good stuff. Oh, yes. Let me also say, folks, that you know, I've been talking for a minute about my 50 by 50 plan. And now we got to get going because we're in the month of March. That gives me April, May, June, July. Oh, this is right around the corner, honey. Chill. So um, enough time. The talking has time for talking has gone. And we need to just get get to moving, get to, you know, the, I've been making the dietary changes. And some people have already said, oh, you know, you're looking a little bit slimmer. Your clothes are fitting nicer. I think maybe you're losing inches kind of thing. So now we're going to kick it, kick it up a notch in terms of the exercise program. So I did message the premier last week because remember now, he had promised me he's going to be out there walking and exercising too. 
but I know he had a little bit of setback. I think he had, um, you know, just some little health things, uh, whatever. I don't know if it was COVID, but he had to sort out a couple of things. And when you get sick, you know, you need to take the time for your body to rest and stuff like that. So I totally get it. Um, and yeah, so now it's time to kick it up a notch. So here, here is the plan for this. And this is all about accountability. So starting this Friday, we are going to um, start to exercise right here in the morning program. So I was thinking about the logistics of how to do it. And here's what I've decided I was going to do. I was going to do it live because I think like live, the huffing and the puffing, you're like, oh, yeah, honey, chill. Woo! Just did a couple little leg lifts, whatever. But I think what I'm going to do, at least in the initial stages, because it makes more sense on the logistics of it, is actually, um, you know, uh, pre-record it and then play it during the show, okay? And we're going to start easy. Now, you can follow along. Maybe we'll do 15 minutes to half an hour initially. You can follow along for a little 50 by 50 exercise segment. We're going to do easy stuff that anybody can do. Even if you're, you're, you know, you have health issues and you can't move too good or whatever, there's simple things, believe it or not, that you can do at home. You don't need any fancy equipment. Sometimes you just need a chair. You need a wall because you can get up against the wall and do stuff. So we're going to take it outside in my garden, honey chill. Yes, y'all going to see me in the great outdoors. The great outdoors, my garden. <laughs> and we're going to put on our shoes and we're going to get to moving. And we'll start it out nice and simple. We're doing some exercises. And the idea is that every single day, we're going to do a little bit. New research is out that says it only takes 11 minutes of exercise per day to gain some real health benefits. And honey child, that's not very much. I mean, that's it, 11 minutes a day? Yes, we can do it. I don't see why not. Uh, so let's get moving. So on Friday, y'all can uh, look out for that. We are looking for show sponsors, by the way. So if you're in anything to do with health and fitness and whatever, give me a call, honey. All right, Miss Sue says, my family all planning a vacation to Panama Beach in August. So hopefully it's good. Um, yeah, I mean, like most destinations, you know, there are um, groups that can help you organize stuff or you can go online, read the reviews with sites like TripAdvisor. You'll get an idea about hotels and restaurants and that sort of thing. Miss Sue enjoys her family vacation, so um, it's a very nice time uh, to definitely travel with the family. I'm thinking for my big birthday bash, now tell me what y'all think about this. I'm kind of feeling a Vegas trip. Hmm. You know, I'm not a gambler, so that aspect of it doesn't really appeal to me. Uh, but who knows? I might go in one slot machine just to get lucky. Because, you know, those are people who always win. The people who never gamble... And they just walk in like, oh, yeah, today I'm going to win a million dollars. And sure enough, they win a million dollars. That that would be me because um, that kind of thing has happened to me before. <laughs> I just walk in and be like, oh, I'm going to pick out this, this single diamond in this whole jar of cubic zirconias. And I remember my boyfriend at the time like laugh. He's like, yeah, right. And I put my little finger in there, twirled it around, picked it out. And sure enough, I won the one diamond. He was like, what? The? I said, that what you call goat mouth. Be careful now, honey, chill. Um, but yes, I'm kind of feeling a Vegas trip. So I'm thinking Cayman Airways can get me to LA. Um, and then from LA, you just drive to Vegas. I think it's about, about an hour or so. So girls only. Sorry, fellas. We're not taking y'all along. Mm -hmm. So girls trip to Vegas. 
Y'all let me know who's in. Um, really, I'm speaking to my top, well, my top five plus five. That's a good number of girls to take to Vegas. And so I'm thinking we go, we do shows, we eat out at restaurants, we just have a fabulous time in Las Vegas. I've never been to Las Vegas, so I definitely want to see it and to check it out. So if you have any recommendations of what to do in Vegas, where to stay, all this kind of fun stuff, um, definitely let me know. Let me know what your recommendations are. But that's kind of what I'm feeling uh, for the big birthday coming up. Um, so Miss Sue says, I love Chris and Countryside. He's better than some doctors. I don't know who Chris is. Chris is the pharmacist that I'm speaking about. Oh gosh, I should actually ask her her name. Um, but she is uh, a woman. So I don't know who Chris is. Um, so don't know. Don't know who Chris is. Sorry. Um, someone says, good morning, Sandy. I'm approaching 51, no hot flashes yet, but experiencing brain related issues, baggy stomach. Uh, but for the first time, I haven't had a period since January, January of this year. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm just seeing your question. Can you ask Dr. Pooja is a possibility I'm going through menopause. Also does Dr. Pooja take appointments for annual checks? Yes, she does. So I can answer some of that for you. So her name is spelled P. Double O J A Pooja, Dr. Pooja. And um, she does take annual checkups. So she's a, she's a gynecologist. So you can go in for all of your other stuff. Um, and she's actually very, very good. She has a very nice bedside manner. Um, you know, some physicians just don't have it. And we have learned to tolerate that. And I think, why do we have to tolerate poor bedside manners when in fact we should just be, um, you know, having going for the best. So, um, so someone says that they've got um, these hormone pellets for menopause and other symptoms. So good morning. No, it's Miss Facey. Yes, that's her name. Um, that's the, that's the pharmacist I'm talking about. I'm sure they have more than one there. So I don't know who Chris is, but Oh, the multinational man with the firearms that came to came out. Oh, um, Anton. Oh, was that his name again? Well, uh, nothing new in court yet. I told you guys that he uh, is part of the economic zone. So that's where his permit has come through. He's got a business in the economic zone. Ugh. And, you know, I also told you guys that he'd actually applied for uh, to bring in these firearms and he was denied. His application was denied and he did it anyway. So we'll, we'll continue to update you, but nothing yet. The, so the court system can be very slow in terms of movement. Uh, let me also say this, my case, so people would ask me, well, Sandy, what's going on with your case? So remember in January, when I was in New York, I found out that I'd been charged with bribery and um, what's the other charge? Something, the perverse in the court of justice, just perverted, perverse in the the. What the heck is that offense called? I don't know. Some offense. Perversing the court. No, perversing the something of just. I don't even know what the hell the offense is called. But um, two months later, I have yet to be served any documents in relation to my case. And I must tell you that this is very unusual. 
I don't know why. I myself have emailed the police commissioner and said, sir, can I please get my documents? Why are you, um, you know, not charging? Or, you know, I need the documentation. Perverting the course of justice. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> I knew it was something perverting something. But um, unfortunately, um, you know, it didn't, I haven't gotten any documentation. So I don't, I don't know. I'm like, Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I don't know. It's bizarre. Huh? Well, I mean, what's the holdup really is my question, right? It's unusual and bizarre. Uh, yeah. Anywho, I am here. I think he lives behind you. Who does? I'm just shrugging my shoulders. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So I'm just shrugging my shoulders and I'm like, you know, let's try not to, um, Let's try not to drag this out. Like, I really hate the whole dragging out thing. If you if you claim that I've committed an offense, my philosophy is let's get to court, let's get it over with, and let's just do it. Let's get it on, honey chair. I need like a theme song for this court foolishness. Let's get it on in my deep, um, what was that guy's name? The African-American singer, Barry something or other. He had a very deep voice. Let's get it on. Yes. So let's, oh, wait a minute. I've got some special effects here. Let me see which one. Mm, uh, let me see what this one sounds like. Uh, oh, oops. No, that's not what I want. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let's get it on. No, that's not quite what I want. Let's get it on. Hello. Let's get it on. <laughs> I'm not quite sure if any of those really work, but y'all know what I mean. Let's just get it going. Barry White. There we go. Yes, Barry White. Let's get it on. Don't waste my life. I have more important things to do, folks, than to play games with the DPP's office and the police. If you have a case, by all means, bring your case. Okay? Uh, don't waste my time. Time is precious. It's the most precious commodity in this world that we have. We get a finite amount of it before you um, know it's gone. And I ain't got no more time to be playing with the police in DPP's office. So I would appreciate it if you, you claim that you've charged me. I've not seen a file. I've not seen any documentation. But if that is the case, then I'm ready. So some of you are making recommendations. Uh, Maria says she's looking for a studio apartment. Child, whatever you do, just do not go to a lady named Judith, Douglas, Antoine, um, Francia. What are the names she went by? Kim. Uh, all these aliases. If it's in Dog City. No, um, not Dog City. Oh, God. The people down Dog City are going to be like, not us, not us. Um, not Dog City, but the other one, Rock Hole. If it's in Rock Hole. Apparently, she does not even own the place that she was trying to rent to people. So don't be scammed by her. 
Uh, police have not yet confirmed her arrest, but we know that she was arrested on Sunday and tons of victims, folks. It's absolutely crazy. So uh, Jim says Las Vegas. He doesn't like, you don't like Las Vegas, Jim? What? Um, Alejandro says to go to Nevada. You'll enjoy Reno. Um, take a road trip north. Lulu says she's coming. Coming on the trip or, or the exercise? Um, Las Vegas versus Reno. Hmm. Okay, what's, what is there for me to do in Reno? Because I want to do like shows and stuff like that. So I don't know. Do they have these shows and fabulous restaurants? Because I'm going to be eating that for birthday now. Um, I'm thinking a nice, fabulous hotel. And then we do like a special birthday dinner at the hotel. We pull out some of the, you know, some of the nice stops and stuff. Um, so yeah. Oh yes. Okay. Hold on, Kevin. Where, which link is live now? We're going to pull in a live link from CTO. All right, here we go. We're going to bring in the CTO. There's a conference on Caribbean tourism and performance conference, um, that I'm going to be bringing in here shortly. Good morning, caller. Good morning, fellow George Downer. Yes, ma'am. How you doing, honey, Jim? I doing okay. I still can't get you. Um, but listen yes, now. I'm call you after the show. Yeah, okay. But that, that is that, I guess my Say that again for me. Sorry. That, that address may not be rock hole. Oh. Adjacent to, I would think. But it may, I didn't say it's not. It may not be rock hole, actually. Go hmm. to your map. Go to your map. Okay. Or go to your mama. Yeah. <laughs> Diaz, lean. All right, I can check it out. But most people refer to it as rock hole, so. Yeah, that uh, was changed. Just come here and talk, call it what they want. I don't think so. No, but man, these Caymanians, you know, these Caymanians, tell me it's rock hole. No, yeah, they wouldn't know any different because they don't know. Mm. I'm old. I'm old. You see that name you call Diaz? We call it Diaz. Oh, That's Diaz. No, mm. I know so sure because it's sounding Spanish. But um, mm -hmm. we didn't say Diaz. He said Diaz. Diaz. Um, well, okay, man. And sometimes I, I, good for mispronouncing things too. Uh huh. Uh huh. Like uh -huh. Pedro Pedro. Uh huh. <laughs> but um, I would think adjacent to. But like I say, go to your map. Go to your map and check it out to make sure what's official. And sometimes the official dumb is not how it started, how it began. They just gave it a stamp and called it that. But check your map though. Okay. All right. Okay, thank you, honey. Appreciate it. So, folks, we're going to bring in now on the live stream. Um, this is the, the Caribbean uh, CTO, Caribbean Tourism Organization. Our Minister of Tourism is off island. He's away with some of his staff. We see the um, just now our Director of Tourism, Ms. Um, Rosa Harris. And we see his PR person also there, Ms. Um, oh, gosh, what's her name? Can't remember now. Matthews. So let's go ahead and bring this in for you guys to listen. I can barely hear it. The volume's a little bit low.
Hold on, let me pull him out. Let me just try that again. One second here. Okay, oops, sorry. Um, share screen. Okay, Let's share audio. Let's try it again. Moving swiftly to today's um, business, the purpose of this press conference, as you heard, is to present the Caribbean region's tourism performance for last year, 2022, following which I'll provide a brief update on the way forward and some of the changes and activities you expect to see in 2023 and beyond. So without any further ado, I'll ask the Acting Secretary General to take us through 2022 and the tourism industry results. Hi, good morning, um, Minister Brian. And I want to also echo Minister's sentiments and saying thank you all for journeying in person and also joining us virtually for this press conference as we look at giving you an idea of 2022's performance, as he said, and 2023's outlook. The performance for of Caribbean tourism in 2022, as I said, is examined in this presentation. The Caribbean here includes the countries and destinations in the conventional geographical region, as well as Belize, Guyana, Suriname, and the Mexican Caribbean, which is Cancun and Cozumel. First, we start with the overview and we look at a, a global summary. Tourism in the year 2022 was characterized by strong recovery. According to data from the World Tourism Organization, UNWTO, approximately 917 million tourists traveled internationally in 2022. This level of arrivals was double that of 2021 and represented 62.6% of pre-pandemic levels. All world regions recorded significant improvements on their 2021 performances but still trailed against 2019. We look now at Carib the Caribbean performance. In our New Year's message, we would have given the first indication of the strong recovery experience in the regional tourism sector during 2022. Today, we can confirm that in 2022, the second full year of the global pandemic, the Caribbean tourism industry was resilient and built on the rebound that was noticeable from the middle of 2021. By the end of 2022, there were 28.3 million registered tourist visits in the Caribbean, approximately 52.4% more than there were in 2021. The region accounted for 33.1%, sorry, of all arrivals worldwide, down one percentage point from a historically high share of 4.1% recorded in 2021. The 28.3 million registered tourist visits in 2022 made up 88.6% of the visitors who arrived in 2019, sorry, which served as the baseline year for typical tourism activity before the pandemic. Thus, the Caribbean was one of the regions with the quickest recovery rates globally in 2022. International travel restrictions were further relaxed, as well as strong demand in the US, the region's top source market for inbound travel, and this bolstered the recovery. Strategic marketing initiatives and the restoration of some of the airlift capacity between more markets and the Caribbean also, also contributed to the positive results. However, 
The industry's recovery and growth were undermined throughout the year by negative effects, including rising prices, the intermittent supply chain disruptions caused by the pandemic, labor shortages and disputes, global inflation, and heightened geopolitical tension. A quick look at our winter and summer performance. Despite the, the discovery of the Omicron variant of the coronavirus and the restatement of some temporary travel bans in a few locations in January, demand for Caribbean vacations was usually strong. Not only were there more visitors each month than in the corresponding month of 2021, but there was also a gradual return to 2019 levels, which was an indication of ongoing improvement. There were 1.7 million, million tourist visits during the winter season from January to April in 2022, 121.4% more than in the winter season in 2021. During the summer from April to December, 2022, 19.1 million tourists visited 32.6% more than for the same time in 2021. A look at our destinations, except for Haiti, which showed a negative 20.3% uh, during 2022, where the industry was negatively impacted by the well-documented crisis, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, which showed a negative 3.2%, where arrivals are normalizing. All 27 destinations showed an increase in stay-over arrivals compared to 2021, of between 8.3% and, and a 16-fold increase. In addition, 14 destinations saw an increase in arrivals in one or more months in 2022 when compared to the same time in 2019. The U.S. Virgin Islands, St. Martin, the Turks and Caicos Islands, Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, and Curacao are the six countries which have surpassed their total pre-pandemic arrival numbers. A third of the remaining destinations have recovered at least 80% of their pre-pandemic arrivals. All regions of the Caribbean saw an increase in international visitor arrivals over 2021, but only the Dutch Caribbean and US territories surpassed their 2019 levels. This is because the results by region match the results in the destinations. We look at market trends now by market. Some, market have some markets have regained market share in 2022. However, the US travel market continued to drive the recovery of Caribbean tourism. Travel from this market recovered the fastest, followed by the European market. The results in 2022 were helped by the region's proximity to its main source market, favorable positioning and a positive image in, in marketplaces. So look now at the US specifically, despite all the headwinds throughout the year, the US economy returned to its pre-pandemic trajectory and residents took more outbound trips. There was an estimated 21.8% increase in visitors coming from the US market in 2022. At the end of the year, 14.6 million American tourists visited the region, 3.2 million more than the 11.4 million in 2021. This market accounted for 51.5% of all arrivals to the region in 2022, 
down from the 61.4% share in 2021. These results reflect 93.3% of the visitors from this market in 2019 and the highest recovery of all of the main markets for the Caribbean. For the 2022 winter season, arrivals from the US market increased by 74.2% when compared to 2021 and by 14.5% during the summer months. Look at Canada now. Travel restrictions due to Omicron were tightened at the end at the start of 2022, and this made Canadian outbound travel difficult. These limitations were completely lifted in October. As outbound travel rebounded rapidly, the number of trips taken by Canadians each month was closer to pre-pandemic levels. Arrivals to the region increased significantly in 2022 after two consecutive years in decline. Tourist visits in 2022 were 2.1 million and represented 7.2% of the total arrivals to the region. However, this only accounted for 60% of the pre-pandemic amount. This market has demonstrated the lowest level of recovery. European performance. There was a robust resurgence in European travel thanks to re reduced and shorter travel restrictions, pent up demand, and surplus savings accrued during the pandemic, although global pressures loomed. Short haul travel continued to recover faster than long haul travel in this market. Arrivals from the European market increased by 81% in 2022 when compared to 2021. The 5.2 million tourists from this market were almost double the 2.8 million in 2021. This represented 18.3% of all arrivals in 2022, a gain of almost three percentage points. The arrivals in 2022 were 87.7% of this market's total in 2019. Arrivals grew by more than 3.2 times in the winter time. Some arrivals increased by 3.87%, but these trail the seasonal outcomes in 2019 by negative 20.2 and 7.5% respectively. In terms of specific European country results, most destinations saw rises in tourist arrivals from these markets in 2022. Data for the United Kingdom from only 20 destinations showed a tripling of visits in 2022 from 0.3 million to 0.9 million. However, arrivals were approximately 80.5% of the number in 2019. In the German market, for a similar number of reporting destinations, only half of the German tourists from 2019 came in 2022, with 0.2 million registered for the year, more than double that in 2021. We, we move now to the Caribbean, which is our interregional travel. Interregional travel for leisure and business increased when compared to 2021 but lagged 2019 figures. Connectivity between countries was hampered by insufficient airlift and the relative gaps in arrivals between 2022 and 2019 ranged from 0.6% to 7.2% reductions. The fact that destinations whom this market contribute, for whom, sorry, this market contributes significantly to annual arrivals 
only recovered between 30 and 50% of 2019 um, arrivals is noteworthy. Total re re arrivals in the reporting countries were 0 0.9 million, up from 0 0.4 million in 2021, but down from 1.1 million in 2019. Our hotel sector performance. In 2022, the Caribbean area had improvements in all significant performance indicators for the hotel sector, according to SDR. From 4.4% in 2021, hotel occupancy increased to 60.7% in 2022. The, daily, the average daily rate increased by 21.7% to 290 US dollars and 60 cents during this time and revenue per available room surged by 66.4% to 176 US dollars and 46 cents. The number of available rooms was up by 4.4% as well as room income, which increased by 73.6%. A look at our cruise sector. Know that the restrictions designed to control the spread of coronavirus have been lifted and the tourist sector has rebounded, so too has the cruise sector. In 2022, the total number of cruise visitors in the region reached 19.2 million, five times more than those in 2021. And this was 63.3% of the record number of cruise visits, 30.4 million set in 2019. The Northern Caribbean emerged as the most visited region in 2022, with an estimated 6.5 million cruise visits, six times more than in 2021, and 91.9% of the pre-pandemic levels. These destinations benefited from their proximity to the main home ports for cruise lines, and cruise lines visits to other regions were either four or five times more than in 2021. However, while the Eastern and Western Caribbean recovered 55% of their 2019 figures, the Southern Caribbean recorded a recovery of 51.3%. We move to aviation. After two challenging years for the aviation industry, global air passenger traffic recovered significantly in 2022. International revenue passenger kilometers, which is demand, rose by 152.7% during January to December 2022, but remained 37.8% below the 2019 level. Carriers in Latin America and the Caribbean also achieved growth in, in international RPKs between January and December, but by rising by 119.2%. This is 26.9% down from the 2019 performance. To meet passenger demand, the airlines have been restoring capacity. The international available seat kilometers of supply grew by 85.2% in 2022 compared to 2021, recovering the recovery, continuing the recovery, sorry, in global capacity, but remained 35% down compared to 2019. Available seat kilometers in Latin America and the Caribbean also, also grew by an above average 93.3%. Given the above, more seats were filled with passengers in 2022 than in 2021. The international passenger load factor of 78.5% was 21 percentage points ahead of 2021,
but 3.5 percentage points behind 2019. Visitor expenditure. The majority of destination stock collecting survey data, which hampered the generation of tourist expenditure figures. However, a few sectors that are involved with the tourism industry would have signaled increased revenues in 2022. Significant increases in visitor spending would have been generated by longer stays in destinations, higher costs due partly to inflation and larger volumes of travelers and their willingness to spend money while traveling. It is estimated that visitors to the Caribbean spent between US $36.5 billion and $37.5 billion in 2022, an increase of 70 to 75% when compared to the previous year. Our outlook and conclusion. The outlook for travel is promising despite global pressures like high inflation, the war in Ukraine, and the ensuing energy crisis as well as the impending economic re recession. International travel from other markets will contribute to the region's already substantial benefits from the United States. Nearly 90% of the region's travel demand for 2019 has already been recovered, and some destinations have even surpassed their pandemic levels. When compared to 2022, it is expected that overall arrivals to the region will increase by between 10 and 15%. This means that between 31.2 and 32.6 million tourists can be expected to visit the region this year. Thus, tourist, arrival, tourist arrivals this year might surpass pre-pandemic levels. In 2023, similarly, the cruise industry is also anticipated to continue recovering and expanding. As more ships are deployed, the capacity for cruises will rise and demand will stay high. All ports in the region have reopened and some have started re, um, home porting. In the region, there should be between 32 million and 33 million cruise visits overall, which is a 5 to 10% increase over the pre-COVID baseline figure. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Neil, uh, for that very comprehensive report, looking at the performance of tourism in 2022 and what seems to be a very optimistic and positive outlook for the rest of the year. We certainly have started the year with a bang and we look forward to um, delivering on these results that have been forecast. Of course, Neil's, Neil has been part of the CTO for over 20 years, joining the organization in 2000, um, so about 23 years with the organization and has served in this acting secretary, secretary general role since 2019 um, admirably. <coughs> so thank you so much, Neil. I'd now like to uh, toss it back to the chair, but before we do that, just to remind everyone that we will be entertaining questions. Uh, I've been advised that we have um, quite a number of journalists uh, logged into Zoom, uh, as well as uh, about 30 or so viewers on Facebook. So we'll be getting to your questions in a short while. But we'd like the, the, the chair to expand on uh, Mr. Walter's remarks as it relates to the outlook for 2023. Chair. Thank you, Beverly. As the chairman of the Caribbean Tourism Organizations, councils of ministers and commissioners of tourism, I'm humbled to have the leadership over an organization that is focused on positively contributing to the growth and the development of an industry that is vital to our economies and our people in every country of the Caribbean. 
having just heard our tourism numbers and how it performed across all the destinations in the Caribbean, including the 25 CTO member countries, it's clearly apparent that even in the face of the devastating blows delivered by the pandemic, as a region, we have responded, res responded with hope, strength, and determination to prevail. Great strides have been made, and many of our jurisdictions have ended 2022 registering higher than predicted visitor arrivals, as you heard. This is a clear indication that this sector is bouncing back, and hopes are high that the robust pace of recovery will continue in 2023 and beyond. This is a position that is also supported by the stakeholders such as World Travel and Tourism Council, which is forecasted a 5.5% annual growth for the Caribbean over the next 10 years. And the Caribbean Development Bank, which is predicting Caribbean economic growth of 5.7% in 2023, based in part by the continued revival of tourism. So although we have not yet surpassed the 2019 numbers across the board in every jurisdiction, the needle is certainly moving in the right direction. Aside from the economic growth across the region, I also see this year as a period of growth and development for the Caribbean, Caribbean tourism organization itself. Since assuming the chairmanship position in September of last year, my primary focus have been to start the ball rolling on a number of initiatives which will strengthen the organization and allow it to be more effective and responsive to the needs and the aspirations of the members that we serve. One of the ways I envision this being accomplished is by working closely with the Secretariat to grow the membership, to grow the allied partnerships that we work with, to grow the tourism within this region and grow the contribution it makes to the economies that depend on it. It is also my intention to strengthen the relationships with other organizations, such as the United Nations World Travel Organization, the World Travel and Tourism Council, and even the Central American Tourism Promotion Agency to foster greater collaboration. With the Caribbean being one of the most tourism dependent regions in the world and the industry moving from recovery to growth, there is an acute need to ensure that the CTO is appropriately sized and structured to fulfill the needs and the objectives of its members. With this backdrop in mind, consideration has been given to the restructuring of the organization and reforming its strategic vision and direction for the next five years. In the meantime, noting that the organization has been without an acting um, Secretary General for a lengthy period of time, sorry, my apologies, an appointed Secretary General for a lengthy period of time. The question of leadership has been the primary area identified for immediate attention. I'm pleased to report that following a detailed review process, a new job description has been formulated for the Secretary General position. The newly revised job description has, closely, has been more closely reflective of the current needs and relevance of the organization and ensures that the role is structured so that the most senior executive within the organization has more autonomy and is empowered to provide the level of support expected from its territories that we serve. The vacancy has been widely advertised across the region with an open recruitment process currently on the way. Aside from addressing the leadership of the organization, I'm also committed to growing the membership 
of the CTO. And I was very delighted last month to welcome the US Virgin Islands to the fold. And I also will be reaching out to other countries in the Caribbean diaspora to hopefully bring more on board. With that being said, I recognize that in order to successfully build the membership of the organization, it is incumbent upon us to effectively demonstrate the value and the benefits that the members can derive. To help inform this process, in November of 2022, all of our members were surveyed to gather their input on the initiatives, programs, and issues that they would like to see being prioritized over the next 12 to 24 months. This information and data will help to ensure that the work of the Secretariat not only dovetails with the goals and expectations of its membership, but it also helps to facilitate growth within their respective tourism industries. Take that all one step further, I'm of the view that there were there that wherever possible, we should seize the opportunities to present ourselves as a unified Caribbean region. With that being said, I'm very pleased to announce the return of the CTO Caribbean Week, which will be once will be held once again in New York this coming June from the 5th to the 8th of June. Plans are still in the development stages, but the vision is for this event to include business development opportunities, consumer engagement, media forums, workshops, workshops, and a range of cultural activities celebrating the wonderful sights, sounds, and flavors of the Caribbean destinations that we represent. More information will be published by the CTO in the coming months, so please look out for it. There are so many elements across our member states to leverage and promote the people that we serve by country, from the rich cultural heritage to our individual countries, of our individual countries, to our beautiful landscapes, local foods, beaches, and traditions. We can and we should celebrate our shared history and heritage while highlighting and being proud of our unique attributes of each island and Caribbean destination. Caribbean Week will provide an excellent opportunity, opportunity for that to take place. Turning my attention now to the nagging issue of air connectivity. Tourism is a significant economic driver for us all, and yet the lack of inter-regional air connectivity continues to pose a risk to our resilience and sustainability. It is a situation that has existed for some time, and we've talked about it for decades and it has worsened due to the economic effects of the COVID pandemic. Why? Because the slowdown in, the tour in tourism has caused airlines to reevaluate their business structures and routes from a position of profitability more than connectivity. Additionally, there is a global shortage of pilots also adding another layer of complexity to this long-standing issue. It would be illogical for me to promise you a solution to this issue during my tenure of two years as chairman. But what I can and I will commit to is getting the players around the table to forensically examine what needs to be done to as a unified region to improve this scenario and start the ball rolling towards a solution. Aside from the convenience, improving regional connectivity would have a knock-on effect that would positively influence travel in all sorts of areas, such as business, leisure, sport, conferences and meetings, 
and could potentially transform the region even further. The added benefit aside from tourism is that it would facilitate and encourage residents across the Caribbean to travel more easily to other islands and states to visit their family and friends. In the meantime, I look forward to continuing working closely alongside other stakeholders and partners to maintain the momentum of growth while also continuing to build more resilience in this tourism space. As tourism is a global industry that operates in such a dynamic environment with so many interconnected sectors, it is vulnerable to a wide range of negative impacts, many of which are not of our own making. We are increasingly hearing talk of coming recessions, not to mention inflation, the high cost of living, rising energy costs, the escalation of geopolitical tensions in Europe, as well as the ever-present risk of COVID variants developing that could impact visitor travel and threaten the pace of our recovery within tourism. All of these issues can have a disruptive effect on visitation, which is why it is so important for further resilience to be underpinned by coordinated action, strategic thinking, and cooperated cooperation on the ground in response. Last month, I had the privilege of speaking at a conference in Jamaica promoting global tourism resilience, and I remain committed to supporting that initiative, given that the ability to swiftly and sustainably recover is vital to the indigenous economic driver that we call tourism. I would like to allow specific time for questions, so I will start to wrap up my remarks now and close by thanking the Acting Secretary General Neil Walters for his support and leadership of the organization during these turbulent times. I also want to express my gratitude to the Board of Directors, as well as the management and the staff at the CTO Secretariat for their dedication and their hard work. I am thankful to the various stakeholders within our industry whose partnership and performance has enabled this region to achieve the distinction and the recognition as the fasting, fastest recovering region in the world. Finally, I look forward to fostering even closer relationships with my ministerial colleagues in tourism and working together with them in the true spirit of collaboration for mutual interest and benefit for our Caribbean region. Ladies and gentlemen, we're focused, we're committed, and we represent the best region in the world for tourism and travel. So here's to a phenomenal 2023. And please allow me to take this opportunity to wish an early happy International Women's Day to all women, but particularly to those who are in the tourism and travel industry. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Minister. Uh, thank you, Acting Secretary General, for providing the performance update as well as the outlook for the Caribbean tourism region. We're going to open up the floor uh, to questions. First of all, in the room here, uh, we have a number of journalists from Barbados. Uh, I see CBC, Nation News, Barbados Today, um, and others who are gathered here. And we have a number of international reporters, um, particularly on the trade side, uh, who've joined us via Zoom and Facebook, as well as throughout the Caribbean region. Uh, the speeches of the presentations this morning will be available uh, later in the day at onecaribbean.org. 
org that's one caribbean.org and sharon coward who i who i um, missed early in my cto introduction she's the head of it uh, here at cto and she will make sure that all of the resources are available to you so thank you uh, sharon for the excellent work that you have performed in putting this event together this morning we also would like to welcome the government information service from the cayman islands uh, which is also carrying this broadcast uh, in the cayman islands this morning so without further ado uh, please um, raise your hands uh, introduce yourself and your question uh, to these two these two gentlemen trevor as well uh, trevor thorpe cbc news um airlift has been the bugbear for everyone in the Caribbean or uh, Hotel and Tourism Association in their press briefing last month, they raised it. We still haven't seen the resurgence of real competitive Liat um, thrust. And in the North Caribbean, you haven't got much of that. You don't have much problems because you've got a small carriers up there like Benair and things like that. What's, what's CTO being doing from, is doing from your uh, secretariat with member countries, the 25 member countries to alleviate, alleviate this problem as we go into 2023 thanks for the question um well i can tell you specifically what the region as a whole is doing um this is not just for one side of the caribbean um recently um cdb has been appointed to do a review on best ways to bring um the industry together and what kind of um initiatives can the caribbean islands offer um companies to start flying again, particularly that of the reassured, um, bringing back Liat. Um, that review I'm waiting keenly on. I've spoken to the president, uh, Leon, from the bank. Um, they are working even with me as a minister in the, uh, in the Cayman Islands as to what our national airline can do to help to facilitate. So there's a, a number of review and discussions happening, and I'm hoping that their involvement can offer up some solutions. But outside of outside of the external elements, we within the membership have to sit down and talk to our own leaders to say what we're willing to sacrifice in order to um, engage and attract back um, airlines that are doing this for a profit. I think we've forgotten that the world works on a basis on money. And that's the biggest driver. So we cannot expect that uh, airline is going to come down here just for the benefit of the Caribbean people and and run into the ground or lose profits. Um, as you heard me say in my delivery, the COVID situation forced them to reevaluate their circumstances and their profitability. And um, with the shortage of the, the pilots, the cost of fuel, all of those factors have caused them to say, okay, maybe not ready yet. As well as we recognize that 35% of the, the routes hasn't come back to the region, 35% less than 2019. So I think over time that will happen, but we don't have, we're not the luxury of, of waiting to the airlines to do it on their own regard. We have to incentivize and give options available for them to say, can we make it a little bit more less expensive? And that means that all of the Caribbean islands may have to a, take a look at their own airport tax structure. If you just look across each Caribbean island, the variety and the different levels of taxes that is imposed on airlines is a key factor to the level of profits available to any independent company. Um, and it's, that's no different. If you offered um, a tax reduction, it would be no different than, um, what do they call it again, the guarantee, uh, profit guarantee, guarantee. Revenue. Profit. Revenue, revenue guarantee. guarantee. 
Um, it's the same concept. I, actually, in the Cayman Islands, I use the example of what we do back home. We subsidize our airlines. We don't make a profit, but we recognize the benefit on the back end when the tourists come and they spend money in our economy. They give people jobs and they spell they spend or we receive tax taxes from them on other things that they do. And I think that formula is something that many of our members have to rethink. But it's a hard thing to do at this particular point when we're all just starting to recover and many of them not have not fully recovered yet. So the priority on addressing issues within the various member states is one that all members have to re-examine. And my intention and the next meeting is to bring them all back to the table to say, okay, what can you sacrifice? What can we offer industry to to uh, as a way of an incentive, as a way as an um, a rebate per se, to get back into the industry to offer more routes. So that's where we are in that space. We're waiting on the technocrats from a CDB perspective to come back and see what their reports are saying on how we can do that. But outside of that, that's where we're at at this point. Mr. Minister, um, how close are you from where you sit? Um, are you or are we from the talk stage to the action stage? Because summer is on us. Well, honestly, the question is, what is the members prepared to do? Um, and and here's, the, here's the biggest problem is that the, this issue affects different countries differently. I, I am not... No shame in my game. I'm proud to say the Cayman Islands are not affected by this as difficult as other smaller um, um, des destinations. But we are committed to use even our airline to facilitate as long as there's not a loss. But these taxes that are, are imposing or causing it difficult to even break even needs to be re-examined. Uh, and it's upon us all if we want to collectively find a solution. There's even discussions now where um, smaller groups may start to work within themselves if you can't get a, a full collaboration of agreements. Um, so it's going to be some negotiations. It's going to be some reprioritizing. Uh, and the question is whether we as a region are willing to make the sacrifices for the greater good that we will make that income on the back end when we get visitors to come back. Because I, I truly believe the reason why we don't have um, the numbers that we should have is because of the major effect of, of connectivity. I mean, think about the tourism that you get from the domestic market within the region, where somebody from Barbados goes to send kids to meet an aunt or an uncle or family member, or just say, you know what, I want to go on vacation, but I don't want to go to North America or Europe. So we're losing a lot. Our, our full potential can't get back there until we get that done. Now, what percentage that may be, whether it's 1% to 10%, varies uh, under the jurisdiction you're talking about. But it, it, I'm trying my best to talk to my leaders to say, you need to go back to your prime ministers and your premiers to say, what are we willing to sacrifice to put some skin in this game to get connectivity back? Because that's the only way you're going to resolve it. Money does rule the world, unfortunately. We're going to go to the cloud. Um, we have a question for the acting secretary general with regard to St. Martin's tourism performance. This is from Stephen Cyrillian of PJD2 uh, Radio, the voice of St. Martin. The acting SG mentioned that St. Martin is one of the countries that performed extremely well in 2022. Can you say as to, can you say what contributed to this positive performance? Um, thank you, thank you, Bevan. Um, mainly the factors that would have been indicated before the um, St. Martin is one of the more popular destinations in terms of US visitors the proximity to the U.S., um, being closer to the Northern Caribbean, and also the fact that um, 
overall, I think we're looking at, we also have to remember that in looking at these numbers, we're comparing as well to 2021, which was a dearth year. So it is a case where the factors I indicated before, plus then looking at it in terms of an absolute way. So um, I think those factors also apply across the board to the majority of the destinations that we're seeing returning in that way. Um, the pent up demand, the, the, the airlift coming back. And then in some cases, and in a lot of these cases you will notice are closer to the Northern Caribbean, exception being Curacao, Close closeness to to a U.S. market. Are we see a commonality with the Dutch territories and and the U.S. territories as well in yeah. terms of performance? Yeah, um, as I mentioned, those were the two regions that showed the um the the great the, the surpassing of the twenty nineteen levels of performance. So there is some level of commonality. I don't know. We want to say it is based on anything other than just the uh, the factors I indicated, but definitely they have been showing um, a significant rebound compared to the other regions taken as, as a whole. Thank you. Marlon? Uh, Marlon Martin, Barbados today. Could you give us an idea of the initial findings coming out of this survey that we did in November last year on the members' needs? And if you could say what prompted the return of the Caribbean week? Oh. Well, I can answer the second yeah, part of it. Um, I think that the, the full analysis of the survey report hasn't been released yet so I, I can't give you the answer to that but the, the reason for that is because we have to be showing a, a more um, unified approach to our marketing exposure I think it's, it's obvious why New York because New York is, is is the big mecca city of the world and the exposure opportunities and the diaspora that is in New York is is, is strong and healthy to help us to display our culture and our heritage for 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 the many media companies that are there it's also a great um place for discussions dialogues about the various things that we're dealing with so it was a positive thing before um it was decided to be removed but i think it was a costing factor from office spacing and and operations why that was um, removed but i think that our new vision and approach moving forward is that we can still get the benefits of uh, caribbean week uh, and but reduce all the expenses that was associated with the previous operations so that's why we decided to go back down that route it was an attractive thing for most of the caribbean islands to be a part of and a re request from the members was to let's look back at, at bringing it back we have a comment with regard to canada uh, from akila who's on social media the travel agent community needs cto's presence in canada again what are the plans if any well, we haven't had any specific discussions from um, a membership perspective as to opening an office or, or so forth in Canada, but Canada is an important market to the, all of the Caribbean, and it's something I'm happy to bring back up at the next board meeting, which we will have a, a board meeting in um, actually June. In June. June. But we have a we plan to meet not necessarily on the agenda of, of CTO meetings, but a number of the members will be meeting Barbados. back here in Barbados um, uh, for Caribbean travel market. Is it Caribbean travel market or the hotel? It's called CHTA. CHTA, yes, CHTA. Um, and when that happens, we can bring that up as opposed to being an official meeting, which is in June, because I don't want to wait all the way till then. There's a number of things that need to move forward um, a lot faster than the, the every two to three months that we meet um, due to the minister's schedule. Back to the floor. 
another question, Marlon? Yes. Um, do we have any idea what um, impact we're expecting from inflation? And you, you, we mentioned it earlier about inflation and the ongoing issues. But have we taken a serious look at to what impact we're expecting and what's the biggest challenge for the Caribbean attracting visitors at this time? Well, I know I haven't um, requested any reports on that, um, but it's something that we can ask from a specific, from a quantifying percentage perspective to say COVID affected us in this amount or the inflation has caused 3% uh, of the persons who would normally come not to come. We don't have that kind of analysis yet, but it's one that we should consider. Uh, obviously, these types of analysis do cost money and would have to have an economist to make that an analysis. If I could um, just add quickly as well too, um, I think we would need to do that analysis based on market. The, the, that, that the effects of inflation will vary by market. And I think we've seen in terms of global trends, for instance, the inflationary rate in the US market would, be, would vary from the Canadian market, the European market and so on. I think that's the type of effect we will see on a, on a more specific basis. Um, and, and it might not necessarily be obvious and absolute, but it, it, we expect it will have some impact in terms of visitation throughout the, the next uh, few, the next 10 months. As a follow-up to that, given the strong demand that we're seeing for the Caribbean, um, can we come to any kind of conclusion with regard to the inelastic demand or the strong demand for a Caribbean vacation, perhaps um, bucking that negative inflationary pressure in the marketplace? Yeah, that's why I said it, it will vary and it will be, it, we may actually find ourselves in a situation. I'm not, I'm not the expert in this area, but I'm looking to Sean here and I know we've had discussions. There's, it's quite likely that we will see um, troughs and valleys and, and see, as you indicated, Bevan, that at points in time, we will see that being a significant challenge and then it's overcome, as you said, by pent up demand. Um, um, again, that is subject to those inflationary pressures um, and what they are. Because, I mean, we, we're talking a variety of things. Um, one of the key things in all of this, of course, is the rising fuel costs. Mm. And that significantly affects people and the ability of persons to travel to the Caribbean by varying the price of airfare, et cetera. So it, it's not something that we can trend, as it were, in um, at this point in time. But definitely we expect that it will have... Uh, an effect on an ongoing basis throughout the period. I, I think it's important to highlight too that the, when you have people making this analysis for you and try to give you predictions, um, which, um, which many stakeholders want to know where the trends are, it is hard to do that when you have competing conflictions. So COVID is still an issue for some. Mm -hmm. Then you have the politics, geopolitics exactly. with yeah. Europe, Europe, and then you have inflation. Mm -hmm. So it's not like one of those things so you can have an analysis and say, here's what we predict. You have three different things, major things going on all at once. So it's very hard to get a, a something concrete to say the estimations are. Um, and that's what you're seeing with much of the data from different organizations now having a wider range of their projections rather than very narrow um, and, their, and their suggested outcomes. So I just want us to take that into consideration. The market still hasn't fully leveled out to where it should be because of these other factors. And it may be some time before we can have good full data analysis um, to, 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 to be able to be more um, confident in the outcomes. 
on the issue of data uh, from the prolific Janet Silvera from the Jamaica Gleaner. Uh, she's asking if one can name five top countries with regard to recovery and any supporting data uh, that can be shared this morning. Top five countries with regard um, to recovery in the Caribbean. As I would have mentioned in the presentation, Bevan, um, there are five countries, there are six countries that we're looking at which surpassed their pre-pandemic arrivals. Um, I'm not gonna, I don't have in front of me the actual numbers, but we look, we're looking at the US Virgin Islands, St. Martin, Turks and Caicos Islands, Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, and six one being Curacao. Um, they would have surpassed 2019 levels. Um, in terms of individual information, we are we are um, finishing our report, full report for 2019, and that information can be circulated to her. Thank you. And, and also, the recording of this um, exercise is going to be available on Facebook, Charon, on Facebook afterwards, so you can take a peek um, at social media to review what was discussed today. Um, another question from Ursula Barzi uh, concerning the percentage of 2022 visitors to the Caribbean that made up the VFR market or the diaspora community. And does CTO have any marketing plans in the works concerning reaching and targeting the Caribbean diaspora? Well, um, besides our family connectivity and shared heritage and culture, um, our focus right now is trying to get the flights back up before we can start marketing uh, because you can market and then say, okay, I want to go, but there's no routes to get there. Like say, for instance, I, I had to overnight in Miami to get to Barbados and I would love to come to Barbados at least once a week if I could. Um, but to have strategic marketing for that, it would be um, probably not the best idea at this particular point until we can start working on the connectivity. Um, it is the, Thank you very much. I've just been reminded um, by my able acting sector general that Caribbean week is probably the biggest area that we're going to be marketing that. So we, we see our diaspora, but that, that when you have a Caribbean person in and outside of the region, though they are Caribbean, they're seen to be not a part of the domestic model. Um, so when the question is specific to within the region, um, I, I wouldn't advise that we spend a heavy lot of money on that unless there's a clear route already available. And there are some routes available within the Caribbean context. Like say, for instance, in Cayman, we travel to Jamaica at least five times a week. I would, we would market that. Um, I know there's other established uh, routes that is in place, but we still haven't got 35% of the routes within the region is still missing. Um, so I guess, you, I guess you would say you have to um, market um, Thirty-five percent less than you did before, in order for to see a proper return on investment. All right, um, let's continue. Thank you for the, for the response, Ulrich Lindsay. Regarding the promotion of individual countries, what are three things member countries can do to better promote their countries slash territories as unique destinations? Three things that can be done to better promote the region. Uh, I think that question. You want to start? Yeah. Um, okay. one, one of the things I think we can do in terms of, and, and I think the word unique is very important there, the fact that even though um, we, we, we look at ourselves as one Caribbean, the reality is each Caribbean territory presents a diverse experience when compared to the other. 
Um, so it's a case where even though we'd, we we might not necessarily want to promote competition among members in that full sense, but the fact is we do have experiences that distinguish us from each other. That's number one. The second thing in terms of um, promoting the Caribbean is the fact that um, I think it's something that we have brought forward from in terms from COVID is the fact that the Caribbean has remained one of the healthiest destinations and it has also remained as a, a destination for wellness and the ability to come and relax, enjoy um, in terms of rejuvenate yourself and go back to the hectic rat race where you've come from, you know, there's a term we can use. But, um, and the third thing as well is the fact that um, something that we've said here, but obviously we're trying to diversify as well. The fact that even though we have challenges with connectivity, we still have the ability to attract persons passing through the Southern Caribbean, the Southern US hub, Miami, et cetera. And in terms of proximity, in terms of travel time, um, we are not a, a long travel destination, but a short travel destination from the USA. Um, I think those are the three that I will I would go with. Um, if I could just add to that, I think that in order for each destination to market themselves, they have to consider the different languages they market mm -hmm. in. Um, we don't do enough of um, diversity in respect to attracting different markets. We always, I think 80% of it is in English. There's such a large population of people across the world in different languages. We've got to do better at that. We also can highlight the difference in op, um, options and experiences that we offer. Uh, say, for instance, the Cayman Islands has no mountainous um, terrain at all. But here in Barbados, it's very beautiful and high, high, um, high terrain. You have mountains, you got rivers, you got beaches, you got um, um, the, so many different options across the Caribbean. And each one of them have um, a little bit of something different that they focus on. So we have to highlight those in each, in each individual area. But more importantly, I think that the thing that many people want to know is because when you're on vacation, you can be vacation anywhere other than where you live. It's what's the story you're going to get when you go there because it's a mental stimulation. And I think the biggest story that, that we could sell is our history. How did the Caribbean develop? Because it's predominantly African descent and we weren't here before. And there was a story of how we got here. And that story is a very interesting one. History is the one subject in school that everybody has to do. Right? <laughs> Everybody's interested in the story of our past. So focusing on that from a marketing perspective of how did Barbados develop? How did this little island called Cayman Islands, which was surrounded by loads of mosquitoes and turtles that nobody knew about up to 75 years ago, develop into one of the top financial um, services destinations in the world today? There's a story there. And people are interested by that. That's why people watch movies. That's why people read books. Tell your story. And that's how you expose yourself because everybody's story is different. Thank, thank you, Minister. Trevor? I think the, I, oh, sorry. Yeah, I think, um, from a CDO perspective, we don't do enough internal advertising, internal being Caribbean, we don't advertise ourselves among ourselves. We don't see a, we don't see a commercial in Grenada about Antigua. We don't see a commercial in St. Martin about um, Curacao. 
Um, and that is, I think that's one of the things we, that a CDU I would suggest need to look at. Um, as you, the uh, acting CEO just rightly said, we all have our own individuality. So you need to put that in place and work with it. I don't think it would be a competitive thing, but I think CDO would need to put that in place from a CDO. You have to come, it has to come from the CDO orchestrating that. We can't expect Barbados to do that, mm -hmm. to advertise the rest. Be, everybody do their own thing. Mm -hmm. But the other thing, most importantly, we have Caribbean uh, market uh, in Barbados in May. Then there is Caribbean week, my notes, um, Caribbean week in June, June 5th to the 12th. But you're going to the United States for that. Why not have Caribbean week um, variate and alternate between St. Lucia and St. Vincent? We can go to, you can, you can go to New York as well because there's a diaspora up there, but you would do a lot better if we market ourselves from here where we are. We have a stronger, I don't mind how long you live up there. You, you've been, you live here and you do the marketing from where you live, from in St. Vincent. Um, if you do it from Curacao, um, Vat Zarbak, one for here, you deal with that as well. But I think that's what we need we, from a CEO perspective. That's what needs to be done, I would think. Well, that's my well, 10 cents. I, I'm going to ask the, the Secretary General to add to that. But I, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you because it's one way of looking at it. Um, um, we, I think the Caribbean has shown that it does know how to market. Um, up until 2019, we were the best in the world. Let's not forget that. What we have had is some disruptions and we're trying to get back to where we were. The main reason why we're not seeing that heavy promotion right now is because we need to get back to connectivity. Now I'll ask um, the Secretary General to add to that, but I'm happy to advertise Barbados in the Cayman Islands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. You don't have an saying, There's a saying elsewhere, you look inside before you look outside. Right. Yes. So if you don't practice that from home, then how, you're, how are you going to make others want to come where you live? Well, I expect to see you in the Cayman Islands before the end of this year. Uh, but I'll that is highly likely. I've been there before I like the place. All right, but I like this What Zarabak hot bon Suriname? That's what you would say. <laughs> what is it in Suriname? Um, many, many yeah, yeah um, I, I agree. At the end of the day, I think what um, Minister was pointing out is the fact of, in terms of our main thrust for the year, but on, uh, during the rest of this year, we're going to have an event in another Caribbean country, um, State of Industry Conference. On an ongoing basis, we do things to help our members look at that diversity that I was talking about, find ways to promote it. Um, I don't think we can ignore the Minister's point about being careful, if that's a term that we should use, in terms of promoting each other, since we really have a challenge getting there. Um, but I think we, we 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 do recognize the importance of that interregional market. We do recognize the fact that a significant amount of that market is business as well, too, and it does continue. However, um, I think when persons think in terms of vacation, and you're right, they will avoid other Caribbean countries because of this issue right now. But CTO, I think we are positioning ourselves to assist members once that connectivity comes back to market themselves as the gem next door, for lack of a better way to put it. Or I don't think there's a better way to put it, I should mm -hmm. say. And the fact that um, something that we miss here in Barbados, for instance, is available in St. Lucia. And instead of necessarily traveling to our main markets for vacation, traveling to a destination nearby. So, and it is something that I will say we did not during the pandemic um was a potential stop gap and i think if you look at it as a potential stop gap 
for the future if we have a, another pandemic the fact that we can look at near near shore travel as an alternative to long haul travel so there are some things in the works and i suspect you will see more about that in the um, coming months i love five sets more i would i could add that if you're going to have the marketplace in barbados wine well or in or in dominica when you do it try not to at least look beyond the hotels so you you tell you you talk to businesses or you send the notes to business places and to other places um ptas so that um you not only touch hotels and restaurants but you touch other people who would know who would want to hear and who may be influenced by hearing what you have to say etc etc and, and the media would cover that too there's a segue to that um particular question um from john matherin who wants to uh, no, is there any measured impact or data concerning the effect of tourism on SMEs and inner communities within the Caribbean region? So the nexus between, mm -hmm. you know, tourism and small businesses. Um, that is an interesting question. I will say in terms of the effect on, I think that was the question, um, tourism on small businesses. Um, I think we there was a study done a few years ago via funding from Complete Caribbean that mentioned the fact that, and, and I put it in this context purposely, in a lot of cases when, when uh, we, we have been focusing on small businesses from the community-based to, um, tourism type of standard, the fact that community-based tourism businesses tend to be the smaller ones and so on. And I think at that point in time, um, this would have been in 2019, that study pointed out that the average visitor was willing to pay top dollar for the for the products that those businesses were selling since they were mainly indigenous they gave the um the, the person the experience for the particular country and so on so there is a a, a very um important impact um i think there might be a need to look at that look at the update to that study post covid although we don't expect that the, the effect would be any less but the idea being that since they're in that part of the segment of the sector, the, the, the indigenous product part. Um, visitors, because of the experience the minister mentioned, are willing to pay top dollar for those experiences. So SMEs are poised in our view, and we have an ongoing community-based tourism program to benefit significantly from tourism. Uh, just to add a little few comments on, on that, I think that whoever it is, is trying to look for the data necessary mm -hmm. to make decisions. So I will speak to obviously yeah, powers yeah. to be within the secretariat to see if we can um, refine that information to offer any data that we have available to us. But more importantly, I think there is something to highlight is that the smaller businesses have been able to, some data will show you that they have been most resilient through the pandemic because they were able to maneuver quicker mm -hmm. uh, to the effects of the pandemic and remodel and reshape their business strategies to to um to to try to avoid the negative impacts um, you see trends of asking for more authentic products when you build a you know, hundred million dollar hotel you design it in a particular way you can't just go and say tomorrow i'm going to change up the design a small mom and pop um, um, product mm. can maneuver themselves quickly to the trends so they have had some benefit throughout this turbulent times to to maneuver themselves i just want to highlight that 
Okay, thank you. We have to, to, to wrap up um, with the permission of uh, the chair and the SG. I'm going to entertain one additional question and then we will uh, turn to these gentlemen for closing remarks. Thank you very much. I'm just curious. I wanted to find out if you guys know the reason behind destinations stop collecting data as it relates to tourism spend. Uh, why are we so concerned more about heads in beds as to why, you know, the contribution as opposed to the contribution to the economy? Um, if I, I, I don't think it's that we're more concerned about heads and beds. I think the challenge that we've had is that the method used to collect expenditure data would have been hampered somewhat by the effects of the pandemic. Um, the expenditure data was done mainly based on an estimated basis, direct question, and so on. Um, and in a lot of cases, it was in person. And therefore, there was a challenge once the pandemic started to transition to digital collection and digital methods uh, and, me and me other methods of collecting the data. So there has been some level of suspension, but as we mentioned, there are ways to derive um, estimates. Um, it might not necessarily be on a specific level, but more on a global level. And um, I think we should see some changes to that in the, in the very near future, um, based on some work that we're doing, um, so that we're able to wrap back up the ability to, to collect that. But, we, we do pay very close attention to the expenditure on an ongoing basis. The, sorry, Freeman, I just want to make sure I understand your question properly. You're saying, why do we focus our data um, um, analysis on uh, numbers rather than the spend? Yeah. Not just focus, it's why you focus that. You mentioned that the member state was in stop content, stop collecting contributions that the visitors made. The surveys that would have right. determined. So yeah. Basically, that they were focusing more yeah. on numbers as opposed to, you know, forgetting. They being each member state. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I, I just, I, I, I can't. I think the acting secretary general gave you a, a good answer, but I think that what you're trying to get at is a very important analysis that we yeah, have yeah, to yeah. do, which yeah. is, as you can see, that the ADRs have increased tremendously. So, primarily in the Cayman Islands, we are at almost 90% of our 2019 numbers, but our revenues are past the 2019 numbers, interestingly enough. So, and that and that um, reality has to be examined from a sustainability perspective because everybody wants to get back to what they used to make by a way of profit. Mm -hmm. But we are also trying to analyze our balancing act of how we sell our environment as a way of tourism because before COVID it was over tourism that was a concern and how it had effects on our on our, our different environments and then we started to focus on sustainability do we are we doing too much in one area and so forth so what we have learned as a result of this rebound at least what I have analyzed individually not as chairman now for CTO but as minister for the Cayman Islands is that we can still make the same amount of money potentially with less people are we mm. undervaluing our product as a jurisdiction is the willingness to pay for what we offer in the Caribbean should be re-examined mm -hmm. and will it stay at those prices and will can that help contribute to the lack of overwhelming effects negative effects on our products within our region on our environment so all of this is as the times are changing I said to you before so many different elements in this overall analysis, all the uh, economists and the specialists are all trying to analyze all this data at one time. To what does this mean? That's why we have not leveled out in what is the new norm. 
because it's still changing. But it's a good analysis to make because I think each country has to their advantage now a change that has happened, a reaction, and how can that suit them best for what they want for their individual countries. I'll leave it there. Thank you. We're going to invite um, both gentlemen to give closing remarks just to wrap up, share your final thoughts. Um, before you do that, I'd just like to thank the Acting Secretary General Neil Walters on his continued stewardship of the organization. Not an easy task, you know, bringing a group of diverse countries and territories together and make sure everybody's on the same page. Uh, and he certainly continues to serve admirably. And of course, uh, the chair of the board and the minister from the Cayman Islands for his, his vision, his, his energy, um, his discipline and his heart um, that he's brought to this organization over the last several months. First of all, Mr. Walters and then uh, Minister Brian. Thank you, Bevan. I think what I will say is the, um, in terms of Caribbean tourism, there we have significant opportunities in the face of some known and in some cases unknown threats. But I think the um, region's tourism sector is in good stead in terms of growth for 2023, um, barring any major um, catastrophe. And I think that um, we, we should see our resurgence to 2019 levels and beyond in the very near future. And that, that in itself, before going into expenditure, as my friend mentioned, augurs very well for the region and the economic future of the region. Thank you, Minister. Uh, thank you, Bevan, and thank you, Acting Secretary General. Just to wrap up, I just want to say thank you guys uh, so much for, for coming and reporting on these stats and data and this analysis. It's important that everybody knows that uh, we're all in the business of tourism, rather indirectly or directly. Um, but in wrapping up, I just want to say to the Barbados diaspora that is in Cayman, <laughs> Barbados is amazing, and your your former home is lovely, um, and they're treating me good, and we'll talk about when I get back home. As for any Caymanians who are in Barbados, we are here till Saturday. I'd love to see you. Uh, reach out to the CTO office. It's important that every country looks out for the diaspora wherever they go. With that being said, God bless you all, and thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, Acting SG, as well as Chair. Uh, it's time to, as a former news anchor, CBC Television used to say, it's time to strike up the band. We're going home. <laughs> um, thank you so much for everyone's questions, your participation. We heard a lot of wonderful things today with regard to the the trajectory for Caribbean tourism, a 10 to 15% um, uplift expected in 2023, uh, 5 to 10% on the cruise side. Uh, a number of destinations are surpassing the benchmark 2019 year. Caribbean Week in New York is returning. Airlift is something that has to be addressed. Um, regional marketing is key. Storytelling is key. Um, and so it's been a very um, interesting discussion. The conversation obviously will continue. Once again, thank you very much. And also uh, tomorrow when it arrives, happy International Women's Day and especially to um, the women of the Caribbean. Thank you and God bless. Thank you. Hello, I'm Kevin Watler, and this is your CMR Daily Buzz. Here's a summary of some of Cayman's latest headlines. 
A new scholarship is now available for those individuals who want to pursue postgraduate studies in the mental health field. The Addison Kelly Memorial Scholarship has been created in memory of Caymanian teenager Addison Kelly, who lost her life to suicide on February 8th last year at the age of 16. With the impending expansion of the airport and runway, the Cayman Islands Sport Shooting Association is seeking permission to build a shooting range and training grounds near the future airport connector road in Georgetown. The application site consists of the primary flooded mangrove habitat and incorporates part of the mangrove buffer zone. The Minister for Tourism and Transport, the Honorable Kenneth Bryan, is off-island this week, hosting a series of internal meetings at the Caribbean Tourism Organization's headquarters in Barbados. As part of his itinerary, and in his capacity as Chairman of the CTO Council of Ministers, Mr. Bryan will meet and greet the organization's staff and host a regional press conference to outline the Caribbean's tourism industry performance in 2022, examine industry trends, and discuss continued tourism recovery efforts throughout 2023. Now for your CMR weather update, it's brought to you by WG Charters, sunrise at 6.40, partly cloudy skies in the morning with increasing clouds later in the day, when the temperature is at 83 degrees Fahrenheit and humidity at 70% like the forecast calls for, it will feel like it's in the high 80s or low 90s, winds east-northeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour, and the sun sets at 6.33. At nighttime, the temperature falls to the mid-70s. Looking forward, similar weather conditions are expected. If you would like to know more on any of these stories, visit caymanmallroad.com or follow Cayman Mall Road on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. That's it for now on The Daily Buzz. Thank you for joining me. Please stay safe and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 